Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Mansour, and I'm joined as always by my happy co-host Alexander Volt. Say hello. Hello. This is Every Album Ever, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's a whole new discography per episode. And today we'll be discussing every album by. We got a big one today. Long awaited. Finally tackling Primus. Primus. Primus sucks, everybody. This was requested on Patreon. First by Colton. This is requested by a bunch of patrons. A bunch of people. Every, a bunch of patrons, a bunch of non-patrons, by, everyone. By, by you and me? By us by us and you and me? Yeah. Everyone wants this episode because why why wouldn't they? It's primers. Uh so with a, with a, okay. I don't know how to start these bigger episodes. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so used to covering like no name little tiny yeah, bands. Yeah. And then when someone that like, oh, I want to put care and attention into this episode, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Uh, there. It's it's weird how they're a weird band, but now I've listened to so many things. They feel tame in comparison. Still very good, very weird and enjoyable. But like compared to a Ween, check out that episode. Ween is like, uh, like well. They're well. They're two very different bands, but like they are, but they they feel like they have the same DNA, kind of. Well, yeah, they both are friends with South Park guys, and both played in like the, oh, the anniversary I show. Forgot about them. that yeah. too. But well, Ween is like we're gonna play whatever we want, whenever we want. We like all kinds of music. We're gonna play all kinds of music. We're gonna mm-hmm. be silly. We're gonna be serious sometimes. We're gonna do whatever the hell we want. Or Primus has a very distinct character and style and formula that works with the three main dudes. And when one of those members is not present, it changes everything and it doesn't feel the same. Uh, and I've heard, I mean, plenty of people have heard it. If you've heard of Primus, you've already, you've already been uh, privy to Les Claypool and how dominating his sound is, but also that Larry Lalon is one of the most underrated guitar players doesn't get nearly enough credit because when he's not around or when he's not doing what he's really good at in the band, it you notice it and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think all three and even, uh, you know, four members are really excellent. Like, it's so crazy um, when there were like like mail-in dvd rentals like like what netflix used to be i for some reason had blockbuster yeah and uh they had like drumming videos which were cool because like those things were like fifty dollars a pop Jeez, i did not know that so i wasn't trying to buy drum videos and like there's a little while where i thought like brain was like the primish drummer because i watched his video ah well i know what other other band he was he was the drummer for and that's guns and roses Uh, a la chinese democracy the best album yes he has quite a few like he's played in quite a few things um i totally forgot about that band praxis praxis i know the name that's it it's like uh a funk metal group with Bootsy and let me see who else is in this. Buckethead is in Buckethead. It. She's also closely associated with. Primus. Yeah, it's Buckethead, Brain, and then you got Bernie Worrell, R.I.P., and uh, Bootsy Collins yeah. doing like funk metal. That's very interesting. Yeah, I was like, that might be a fun group to cover. And it still might be. It still might be. Hey, who knows? I thought they had a longer discography. It's actually manageable. 
Well, I have no problem with Brain. He's a he's a fine drummer, but in Primus, I don't want nothing to do with him. I want Tim, and I want only Tim. Tim Tim is Tim is the fucking man. Tim is the drummer. The um, drummer. I'll get into my feelings about Brain, but I was just thinking about like how crazy that was for like a a period in time. I was like. I thought like Brain was, was the, the guy. guy he is. He's he's not him. Well, not in Primus. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Because everyone, every so now we're just talking about the drummers. Because both Brain and Jay Lane, who would re, you know replace Tim for like one stint in uh, in the two thousands, uh, they're both, in my opinion, just trying to do their best Tim impression. Because his like style was so interesting and unique, and it fit the band so well. I I liked on a uh, more recent tour. By recent, I mean like past five or six years, um, where Tim couldn't do it for some reason, and Les Claypool was like, "Look, we've we've tried this with other drummers, and really, there's only one other person who could replace him." And it's Danny Carey. Like, if you're gonna, if you, you have to have someone not just elite, but elite with a with their own character and personality on drums. Because with the, with a guy like Brain and, and Jay, they were just for one album. Brain is not doing anything interesting at all. Mm-hmm. But the other ones, it's like, okay, they're doing stuff, but just the exact same things that Tim did, but not quite as good, yeah. or not quite as authentic. Yeah, as Claypool said, you need to be a master of the polyrhythm to play drums in Primus. And not only, not only that, you don't just have to be elite. He just, His personality with drums is, is like, I guess if you're just a casual listener of, of music in general, I guess it wouldn't matter because he's just, he's just a good drummer. But his his double his double kick work i've always found to be fascinating because it's always just um it's used in a very it's gonna sound stupid a very musical way <laughs> like there are i'm gonna be i'm gonna give like specific examples and on the songs and examples when we get to it mm-hmm. but there's like little things that he does that it's just double kick for the sake of it sounding cool in that little moment it's not yeah. like uh whatever you know like thrash chugging, yeah, yeah. It's not like no, it's not like thrash where it's just double kick and then the a regular beat behind it mm-hmm. or double double kick because oh now you want it to feel big and metal over in this section it's never like that mm-hmm. it's always like it's going to make this little part sound cooler or it's going to make um this just drum feel sound more like a rolling boulder than it normally would yeah it's just little things like that that are really really smart uh, and that's where tim is the greatest uh and everyone else yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean it's crazy. I don't know how to explain. If you don't know Les Claypool, I mean, welcome aboard. Holy shit! I feel it's also impressive Primus's ability to like when we were growing up, like sink their way into pop culture, whether it was like through South Park or being on that first Tony Hawk game, like. Davis had a very interesting way of staying relevant, even when rock radio had moved on from weirder acts like Primus. It's really bizarre that they were so successful in mainstream in general, but then you go to like the earliest records and you hear how just incredibly tight and undeniable they are. Like mm-hmm. the first album that they have is a live album. And then it's not like, uh, 
It's not like a working out the Kings kind of album. It's like, oh, the, these guys came in. It's like perfecting, already perfected. Yeah, fully formed. Completely, yeah, from yeah. the from the jump. So you look at a band like that, and, and you think like, it's too unique, it's too kooky, it's too impressive, and it's too fun to kind of deny that, even mm-hmm. even for mainstream standards. I feel like they were always destined to do well. Yeah, I feel like there was something about these. Uh, I. I'm I'm sorry if I offend anyone, but like a, a Lollapalooza, these like Lollapalooza bands where you could market these these like unique unique bands that wouldn't wouldn't have a chance these days. There's also something special about this band. They they're one of the rare bands where they don't really need overdubs. And if you listen to like the early stuff and even mm-hmm. even the later stuff. They're, they they dabble with overdubs and they get more experimental, whatever they do that. They do plenty of that, but live, you don't miss it. It feels completely full already with just the three people. And it's, it's not just up because there's plenty of big or uh, plenty of bands that sound big and full with just three members, but never this crazy unique. <laughs> and also this completely uh, jam packed in, in thick sounding without any need for any, any kind of sample man or keyboard player or anything else. It's just a very, uh, it's just a recipe for success. <laughs> like, yeah. a, like it's a, it's a perfect little, yeah, it's just having the bass be that dominating, um, is really rare. And for it to be this fucking kooky and nutty, it's just, yeah, um, this is a, what's a once in a generation band for sure. Also. Yeah. I like that. The bass is driving most of the music. The guitar is used like the bass in a lot of instances. It's, a lot of rhythm, but a lot of what Larry does is just crazy melodies, these crazy uh, uh, contrasting melodies, these batshit solos that absolutely rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the heart of it is just this ridiculous tapping uh, uh, hammer on fucking fretless bass thing. Yeah. And it's it's so cool. It's so <laughs> cool. It's never not cool. Uh, but we have uh, some stuff, some notes here from our, our history guy, Tom Osmond, who leaves and he has a nice little note here for our, our viewers and listeners. Um, he says in the course of compiling these notes, I've accidentally stumbled upon a whole universe of crazy detailed Primus info. I would never, for example, ha- even have thought to search out the studio setup for the tales of the punch bowl album or Larry Lalonde's guitar rig for pork soda with the shit you can find online is wild. Cause we have all that here. I don't know how I'm going to explain it, <laughs> but we do have it. Um, and he says it, it seems that once upon a time, there were dozens of Primus fan sites. Many of the domains have now expired, but the cheesy Primus page and Toasterland are still up, if not active. And I think the makers of both for their obsessively compiled content. So we have plenty of notes from both of those. Um, a lot of like bullet points. There is a lot of, a lot of details about like what every member did after every single album. And it's like, I'm not going to, we don't need to go yeah, into all that. We don't need to go that far into the weeds. But there is, it is documented. That it is, they, they, even when these guys broke up at one point um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were still very, very active. Um, and then the last thing that Tom notes here, he says, and if you're one of those Primus Uber fans, I'm sure I can speak for Mike and Alex and saying, we are delighted to have you here. Please stick around. Neither Mike, Alex, nor myself are claiming to be the greatest experts ever on Primus. That's not what this podcast is about. We're all music lovers here having honest reactions to music. If Mike or Alex say something you disagree with, or if I, or, or I fail to put some bit of trivia in the notes you know about, you don't need to get butter or superior. If you have something to contribute, add a friendly message in the comments. Enrich the world with a little sliver of your heart. You don't need to bring anyone else down. Don't be like the Red Cross fans. Be like the Ween fans. 
expertly put. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's just a. I think that's a disclaimer. We should this air in front of every video. Actually, honestly, like, come on, man. We just like music. <laughs> Please don't yell at us. We can if you want, I guess. But um, uh, he also notes right here. He says, given how insanely detailed the info is on fansite Toasterland, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that their history of the band is reliable. And if it's not. Hey, it's probably still more factual than that band made no means no history. Hundred percent. Check out that no means no episode where the if you go to their website, it's all fiction, uh, written by the band themselves. Uh, but I guess we can do a little bit of backstory uh, because this band goes back earlier than I. I didn't realize that Les formed them in '84, which is really early. Yeah. Um, says right here. From from Toastland says 1984, Les Claypool, not long out of high school. Kirk Hammett was a classmate. Crazy. Fucking crazy. That's why he tried out for Metallica, right? He did try out for Metallica. Yeah. It would not have worked. <laughs> <laughs> no. Imagine that bass sound in Metallica. Oh, my God. They would have just neutered it like they do with every other bass. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not long out of high school. Was running around San Francisco terrorizing music store owners by testing all their bases by playing Yes's Roundabout, listening to Rush, 80s era King Crimson, Ecstasy, check out that episode, and 70s Funk, writing original material amongst the earliest were Too Many Puppies, the song, um, some of the sausage stuff, and a few of the Holy Mackerel album tunes, and looking for a guitar player with an equally unorthodox outlook. Uh, and then he hooked up with high school buddy Todd Huth, and the band was, uh, I guess, originally called Primate. Mm. Um, and then it went through a you know, revolving, um, revolving lineup of drummers. It says right here, um, which I didn't realize. In fact, one of the early drummers was Brain, who broke his foot skateboarding and didn't last long. So he was in the band before Tim. Yeah. Technically, he was the Primus drummer. Happy accidents, I guess. I know. Holy crap. I wonder what that would have been like if he stuck from the beginning. Ah. I don't think it would have been as good. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it would have been as good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's a great drummer, but yeah. he's no Tim. Ah. Uh, it says the first stable lineup was with drummer Tim Curveball Wright, who lasted from 86 until early, early 88. At the time, the band drew heavily on 80s Bay Area influences like the Chili Peppers and Fishbone. What the fuck? It's like the further we get away from it, it's it seems random. But I guess at the time you can make it you can make an argument. Well, yeah. I mean, didn't Chili Peppers start out like as alt metal, like before they blew up? They they were always like super funky, funky yeah. and you know had some hard rock influences, and then they they went through the the Rick Rubin machine, and yeah. were I got his book right there. <laughs> oh shit! And then they were this kind of like content with that sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then actually, I didn't I didn't miss this as well. In 1988, Jay Lane became the drummer of Primus. So both Jay and Brain were actually before Tim. Yeah. Both of them. You just, they can't get, bring anyone in. They're not unfamiliar with. That's, I, I do respect and appreciate that as well, though. Apparently Les played in Blind Illusion with Larry. With Larry. Um, and then they released a, a demo in 1988 called Sausage, um, which had like early versions of Frizzle Fry material. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that, that Frizzle Fry material is going to be around for a while like mm -hmm. the demos the first two albums it's 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 a whole lot of um that in the beginning yeah the following year both huth and lane left um the former to raise a family the latter due to contractual obligations and the lineup cemented into less larry Lalond, um and tim herb alexander herb 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 and 1989 is when they recorded the first album live and released on caroline records 
So altogether, we're not so we're not doing any of the EPs. They have like four EPs or so. Um, two of them I know for sure are like you gotta cover these EPs mm-hmm. at least, like the most recent one, and then the the reunion from two thousand five or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it came out two thousand five, but we're covering ten albums. We can do those EPs in a loose ends. So we're covering just the just the albums. So first album covering came out nineteen eighty nine. Last one twenty seventeen. Um, that's ten of them, right? I believe it's ten. Seems right. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch we got to talk about, but we might as well get into it. Let's get started. Hell yeah. This is the live album, everybody. This is what took the world by storm and helped cement alt metal as an as an entire genre, along with uh, Jane's Addiction. Check out that episode. Uh, this is 1989's Suck on This. Also, the, the second live album we've ever covered on the show. We've only ever covered one other one. Probably done a few. Live? I think it was just Nirvana in this one. Or the cream live? Yeah. Or the, the, the second half is live. I think it's, I think it's an asterisk because the first half is all in the studio. Also, this is very cool. I love this song so much. Even Guitar Hero was another way of like, oh, Primus, this managed to yeah. stay relevant. This song is one of their absolute best openings. I mean, holy crap, this song rules. And yeah, it's like, it's really not different from the studio version. It's it's a really good live recording. I mean, yeah. the whole album sounds surprisingly great. 3,000 back, back then was a lot of fucking money. Yeah. them not needing overdubs how yeah. full and perfect does that already sound yeah uh this is one of my all-time favorite live albums i mean this is i don't like live albums but i think this is one of their best albums this sounds great and in the scheme of things it's it's weird like it's in a way it's like a preview of their career because yeah. a lot of these songs will yeah pop into different albums yeah. um most I, of them off the next album but three others on three different albums yeah we'll yeah. get like peppered throughout and yeah it's just it's crazy how good it sounds um i could see why people heard this album and they were like we need more dude this so oh, man the reason I love this so much is because really, I mean, it's simply, it's just the pacing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's succinct. Um, it ha- There's no fat on it. The sequencing, this, the order of the songs is phenomenal. Yeah. I think even if you're, if you never heard this and you're big on the next album, which has most of these songs on it, mm. that you need to hear this just for this order. Cause opening with John, the fisherman is so much better. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's yeah. infinitely better to open with that song and, and to close with Frizzle Fry. Yeah. I think those two choices alone are, are super, are, are super great. Um, but we also have very 
Kirby. Also, you get your YYZ intros on on different songs. Oh wait, because it's on John the Fisherman here, and then on the next album, it's on to defy the laws of tradition. Well, on the next album, it's just this intro, but like it cuts off. It's the it's the same exact recording of the. But it doesn't go into no no. no. I, th- I thought what, uh, I thought it was more of like a like a. a like an homage to this album because mm, yeah. it, it's the same exact live recording. It just yeah. cut, kind of cuts off. But um, the uh, Heckler, Pressman, and Tommy the Cat will all get re-recorded later on. Of course, we all know Tommy the Cat. I mean, it's, one of the, it's like the second that, most famous song, maybe most famous song. I I thought about that while listening, like like because they have songs that are more well known than others, but it's like. I think like Jerry is number one. I think Winona's Big Bang Beaver is number one. See, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. It's just such a uh, a variety of of hits. Yeah. If you well, I mean, some of these were legitimately hits. But, Legit hits, yeah. But yeah, just like such a wide, crazy discography or sort like variety. Yeah. Even if you were to listen to like the best of primus it's still crazy it's still super crazy i don't want to say winona is the most famous because everyone i've met that's like the only primus song they know and also the music video the music video was super iconic that's true that was the the first song i heard from them when i was a little kid i saw the music video it fucking scarred me yeah Um, i i guess it depends when you got into primus i didn't get into them until i was like a teenager but i saw the music video as a small small kid yeah (laughs) a lot i saw the music video a lot but also, but I don't, I don't want to like keep forgetting this uh, because we didn't mention it on the episode yet. Larry Lund helped invent death metal. Um, he was in, <laughs> yeah, like he's he's a guitar player for for Possessed um, and Possessed along with Death. Check out that episode from a long time ago. They're both heavily credited with inventing death metal. Yeah. Um, do you know Do you know Possessed at all? Have you heard uh, I have. I have not give them a you know their due diligence i've only heard well i've heard both albums i think they only have two albums I, I, and of course seven churches is the the one that people talk about and the one that helped pioneer death metal i think it came out in like 87 or something and it is you hear that and you don't really hear death metal from it because mm-hmm. like if you listen to scream blade gore from death uh you kind of hear death metal like mm-hmm. how that came for possessed it feels way more kind of batshit and chaotic and messy and, and strange. And it's a really cool album. Uh, but it's also bizarre that almost like the exact same time period, he was joining Primus. Yeah. Like really soon after different mindsets completely. And he goes from pioneering a metal genre to this wild, funky, weird cookie shit. Yeah. Um, but he's amazing, but back to the album. So if you, what do you think about this version of Tommy the cat? I got to know. I think I do like it more than the studio version. Really? Yeah. No fucking way. Yeah. Holy shit. Like the, like the baseline is crazy on both. Yeah. But I this think there's a a fuzz to the guitar on the live version. Ah, I didn't even think about that. Where like they're not it's not it's just like pure nitpicking here. They're not really that different, but like there's just a fuzz and a warmth on the live album that you don't or the live version that you don't get on the studio version. I prefer almost all of these versions more than the, the studio version, except yeah. for Tommy. Except Tommy. for that one. Because yeah. uh I could I now I'm thinking maybe I'm biased because I heard the the studio version so many times before this, but the arrangements here is what I don't like. I don't like how it starts off. Mm. I don't like um the 
there's there's different drum choices that's t- that Tim's doing on this version that I don't like as much. Mm-hmm. It's more jammy. The solos aren't developed as much. The mm-hmm. guitar solos aren't developed as much. And the bass lines in the very end when he's when he goes into the, you know, say baby, do you want to lay down with me? Um, the bass lines uh, on that section are I don't think they're nearly as interesting or cool here as they would be later on. Uh, so all those things kind of culminate into me loving the other version, but it is still worth checking out. Um, and then this version of Pressman and and Heckler, they're, they both fucking rule. I think I might like this version of Pressman more than the one we get later on. Um, but uh, everything else, so everything else we're going to get on the next album, but here there's something really energetic and fresh about it here that that i would feel less so on the next album yeah i think um jellicate is is that is that what it's called? yeah jellicate um yeah that's pretty notable here like it's a big drum solo and claypool doesn't really growl ever mm-hmm. and then he just kind of does it on that song yeah. so it helps and then i think it's do they re-record that one or? Uh, you know what? They, I believe that. I wonder. If, you know what? I forgot. Yeah. Do, wonder if they. Let me check. Holy shit! I don't think they. I do. don't think they do. So I don't it's... think they actually. No, they don't. They. I forgot about that. I thought they re-recorded all of them, but they don't. They. They. That's the only one they didn't re-record. Yeah. So that one is notable and worth talking about because it is a great song, and and there's a fucking nutty drum solo around two minutes in too. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean. This is one of the tightest rec- and the fact that this is live there sounds so damn good live. Um cuz we're going to talk about all these songs in the next album but it, still like Hell of the Rocks this version it feel it the way it comes in after putting time feels fucking awesome. Um Fills of Fry is a wonderful closer. That baseline um like around 320 absolutely rules. It's super crawly. Mm-hmm. Uh and then fucking those drums in the section that comes after that. Ah. Plus the solo in that song out is, is fucking killer too. Yeah, it's just it's just so cool. Heckler, the op- I mean the the intro as well as like the verse sounds so much like the original South Park theme. Like uh I didn't even think about that. Oh, I I mean I can't not hear it, but it's fucking cool. I'm mean, still it's kind it. of like a, a sinister, like dark, creepy song. It's dark and creepy but it's there's always this layer of like carnival on top of it there's always this layer of I like mean, that's that's primus exactly <laughs> even when they're they're very rarely dark dark because when they're dark it's a it has this layer of camp to it and it's fucking cool um and it yeah heckler absolutely rules um it kind of makes me sad that they it takes them so long to re-record that one because um yeah i mean it's 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 fucking rad what else do we got i mean it's we're going to talk about everything I, else in the yeah, next album. I kind of wish they didn't re-record a lot of these. So it's just like it's on, it's yeah, on here. But. I like it, especially because it sounds, because we've, we, we've covered other live albums. I just am remembering now. We covered uh, Who's Good Do's first album was was live, Lance B. Record. Yeah. And that one, that one is like, yeah, that's the album where all those songs, that's those, those only versions you're getting. They didn't mm-hmm. re-record any of those. That's the album. I... I would have liked that also, honestly, with this. Yeah. Even though I, the next album is good, but yeah. Uh, so around this time period, Les founded Prawn Song, which put out the initial pressings of, of this album. Um, and then it says, uh, time noted here, it says various future Primus releases would either have reissues released independently via Prawn Song or released in conjunction with Interscope or later ATO records. On the Animal Should Not 
Try to Act Like People, which was a DVD and EP combo that came out, yeah, I think 2005. Um, I guess the the live portion of it was from this time period. Okay. I think I think that's what he's saying here. At Stanford. Yeah, Stanford U Radio. Holy crap. Also, Tom Notes here, which I didn't realize that Larry Lalonde was also a student of Joe Satriani along with Kirk Hammett. That makes sense. That's uh, interesting. Um, very interesting. But yeah, I mean, we might as well move on to the next one. We're going to be talking about a lot of repeats here. But this, it's a live album, but it is, I would say, essential uh, for Primus fans. It's just it's just so succinct. So yeah. well, so well executed. Uh, and that track listing is fucking godlike. <laughs> but... You ready? It's a great. They they got ahead of the ball and they released the greatest hits before they were essential. Basically, yeah, yeah, that's one way to do it. Yeah, uh, but now on to the first actual, I guess, studio album. I guess yeah. is kind of the debut. They the debut, but here we are anyway. This is 1990s Frizzle Fry. A little bit of a callback. Gonna get hit so hard with those uh, copyright claims, probably from Rush. Ah, they fucking, they can't. It's just, it's, we're gonna get them from Primus and that's it. Can't get hit from them. Neil Perk's dead. You guys Ah. have no power. No power. You lost it all. That's it. God, this is crazy because it makes me think of the minute, man. Oh, yeah, a little bit. It's a very mini mini bass line, man. Not so much the bowed bass. Yeah, and it's just like I don't like I think when people think of Primus, you have the you know, the thumping bass and Yeah, the fucking slapping cabin. There we go. This yeah. is like there we go. But they also do those pretty parts. They sure do. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah, there's this no drummer like like Tim Rockstar. No, yeah. Except Danny Perry, I guess. I guess so. His little hi-hat flourishes are cool. And it's It's fucking tight. Super tight. It's funky without it being like kind of wincy. Yeah. It's it's just kind of heavy and lean. And he has such a goofy voice, but it doesn't feel stupid or silly. It's like he is goofy and unique, but he, like, knows the range of it and, like, where to So this is pretty fucking rad. Um, however, the child. that is very cool. I... I have a problem, like, in comparing this to John the Fisherman as an opener is like, okay, it's not even nearly as good. However, at 320, yeah, this fucking section, which takes three minutes for it to come on, because mm. it's a lengthy opener. This section has been stuck in my head for like a week. Put on 320. Oh, shit. Because this is one of the most unique and incredible bass lines I fucking have, have ever heard. <laughs> It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And he has to sing and play. Yeah. To write something like this takes a deranged brain. Yeah, I don't think bass players are like sitting down. They're absolutely not writing shit like that. That's why I fucking love it. Yeah. No, it's a great song, but I get what you're saying where like, I think a more like explosive opener would like. 
I I almost considered giving this best. I I it didn't come close to best for me, but I still think it's a great album. It was really hard for me to pick best actually. In like, the yeah, go ahead. I I think really Primus has only put out like one bad album. I think they put out more than one, but there are good arguments for a lot for being best. Yeah. Dude uh, so the reason my main problem with this album is strictly the pacing and part of what makes the pacing bad for me is because of the direct comparison to suck on this mm. which has amazing pacing and this has so many of the same songs which is so for example groundhog's day is track two on both albums but it doesn't feel as good following um to defy laws of tradition than it does following mm-hmm. john the fisherman um uh fizzle fry is track five which it it's it's a great song but it feels too like it slows down the pacing too much for the middle of the album like that whereas as a closer it felt really good i will say um fizzle fry is a great example of that innovative like unique use of a double double bass pedal yeah where he just he makes it a part of the beat not necessarily um it's time for the double kick section Mm -hmm. there's always a difference there's uh you I never hear it in metal drummers, oddly enough, because, I mean, it's so metal, so reliant on like, all right, you got to do the big blasting section or here's the big, um, big epic double kick thing. Or it's never like, it's always little bands like this or weird random noise rock bands or uh, fucking Bleach by Nirvana where it's like, <laughs> oh, there's a double kick there. And it's like, oh, we're just going to use it in little part, little areas here and there to, to spice up the beat, not necessarily to do anything else with it. Uh it's very tasteful. It takes a lot of restraint to, to pull off something like that. Uh, yeah. Not uh, someone who has restraint, but I think Braun from Macedon uh, uses it in creative ways. It's just hard to tell because he's so busy. He's nonstop. The man sounds like he has 14 arms. I mean, he- it's yeah, like listening to a fucking train go by. It's insane. He sounds like multiple drummers. It, it, it's a lot. <laughs> it's the vocal life. Fitz Mastodon, fine, but uh, yeah, he's amazing. But what else? Uh, some of the non-repeats here that, that we got are too many puppies. I, I love how big and crunchy that song is, and you wouldn't think, oh, this has a part with like a really pretty ride symbol in it. And it's just like the back and forth. Is, it's fucking cool. Yeah. And, when I when I hear that song, it's like the most primus sounding thing ever to me. Like when I think of yeah. primus, I think of that song. I, not not only that song, but that uh, minor second type riff. You know, one fret over uh, that type of riff. It, it does it on that song. It does it on many others later on. But it's just this thing that immediately jumps primus. That's what they do. They do that. They do that kind of riff where it feels just like it's really chunky and four four, but extremely four four. Like yeah. I, it's super cool. It's really kooky. The vocal lines especially are very kooky. Um, but not as kooky as Mr. Know-It-All. Another new one. Yes. Uh, it should It should be illegal for an album to have this many bangers. Although you can argue they cheated a little bit. Um, yeah, it's this... I like... I like the this like how they set you up with the first three songs. And then it's just like a little bit more unusual with Mr. Know-it-all. Definitely. Um, what was it? Um, 
a lot of these, it says here on their wiki, um, a lot of these guitar melodies are written by Todd Huth, the original guitar player. And uh, yeah, that's, that's actually interesting. Um, but the, it specifies because most of the, most of the songs from the last album, those guitar mm-hmm. lines were written by, by Huth. But uh, on the new ones, we got all original Larry Lalonde lines and it, you can tell like there's something really distinct about his choices and, and it's he's got a really interesting solo style and it's i think it's pretty awesome you got a, a th- <laughs> you can't kill michael malloy which is a 25 second long circus transition track that i wish was longer because it's amazing there's so many this short short songs that probably don't even need to be their own tracks they don't but i wish they were they are uh, southington willoughby which is like a a recurring joke callback that you will get on many albums um that's another transition track and it's also delightfully odd um really quirky and fun but yeah we got putting time again as well um which is i mean rules we got spaghetti western which is a newer one uh what the hell has happened to Spaghetti Western? One of the coolest drum beats on the album. 100%. Yeah. I will say on Pudding Time, um, for music, I have I have this idea of like drums and bass being like locked in together. But the way Claypool and Alexander lock in together, it's just like it's so it's like it's like they're copying each other instead of just like we're gonna play the notes at the same time you mean on the like the chorus of putting time yeah like like yeah he like he's just gonna play like toms and like get his kick to like match what what Claypool mm. is doing and it's just uh it's just a beautiful thing it is a beautiful thing the way the drums can follow can can pull rhythm with guitar or bass depending on what the hell happens next because <laughs> i mean it's not a, it's not a very traditional rock band obviously um but yet it's 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 just bizarre how tight they are given how weird and crazy they are and with a style like Les's, you'd expect with that much tapping and that many notes mm-hmm. for a bass that it would become sloppy and you you'd hear um like he does a lot of really fast tapping which is like um, I mean, you have to be good or else you're going to lose time and it, it never loses time. Mm-hmm. And it, that's the most impressive part of tapping. You can put, if you're a guitar player, you already know you can tap pretty fast, but what I can't wrap my head around is his galloping. Mm. His galloping is fucking just superb. <laughs> the way, I mean, it looks fake the way he does it. Like, yeah. I mean, cause it sounds like there's no way he's, his fingers are moving that fast. And yeah, yeah he, he's, he is, he's a legit bass player, but, um, and then the, the, the final new song, I guess we got, and it's not even officially part of the album. It's the bonus track is, um, the cover of hello skinny Constantinople from the residence. Yeah. The, the Constantinople part is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I like the whole thing. I think it's yeah. pretty rad. Uh, never heard the original version. I can't imagine it's that's. I didn't even know it was the cover. Yeah. I had to look that up afterward, but I mean, the residents have literally like 60 albums. So there's no, I'm going to hold off on that one for a while. I've only heard <laughs> one residence album, but yeah, it it's fucking, it's great. It's great. The production is really stripped down. It's really kind of bare bones. 
it doesn't sound much better than the live album, honestly. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds worse than the live album. Uh, there's just a, there's just, it's just a slower album. I think overall it's much slower. It starts off slower. It has, I mean, it's a much longer album. There's the pacing. It doesn't really kind of keep you going with this, this momentum that, that the, that suck on this had. There's a lot more peaks and valleys. It's not, it, it slows it down uh, quite a bit throughout the album. So uh, I don't know it's rules, but the pacing doesn't do it for me as much. One of those more bang for your buck albums for me. Yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting. Uh, according to Tom, he says Lance Link Montoya created the sculpture on the album cover. He's also responsible for the sculptures on Suck on This, Sailing and Seas of Cheese, Pork Soda, Tales from the Punch Bowl, and Animals Should Not Try to Act Like People. I didn't realize Tales from the Punch Bowl had a sculpture, and the same with Animals Should Not Try to Act Like People because I think that's one of the coolest covers ever. Yeah, there. I know for Tales, there's different album art. Yeah, the 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 official one, the green one, I yeah. think is honestly their worst album cover. I don't even, I can't even figure out what the what it's supposed to be. The other one with the boat is very cool. Yeah, no, that's not the worst. I, I think the worst is the either, either brown or anti pop. I, I don't mind anti pop at all. I think that's a cool cover. I think it's like too Tim Burtony. No, 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 no. It's too like it's too busy and looks too modern where like this it's like digital art you're right yeah where this montoya guy like the clay claymation and primus just like go perfectly like a glove for some reason but i mean i i stand by that original tales from the punch bowl the green with the big like i don't understand what it's supposed to be so i can't even process it (laughs) there's a lot of album covers Ah, fair enough yeah uh but Tom goes on to say, he says, according to a piece from 2009 in the Hundreds magazine, Link later fell out with the band. Maybe there would have been more collaborations. And he asked, which sculpture is your favorite? Um, I think I have to go with Pork Soda. Yeah. So, so Pork Soda is his favorite. Which one's yours? Yeah. Yeah. Pork I'm, a Tom, well? I'm a Tom. Yeah. Mine's Frizzle Fry. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, I love, wow. I think that's my that's my favorite of the, the, the sculptures. Which is crazy because cheese, I think, is by far... The most masterful. I think cheese is probably the best. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, uh, I think someone else we're, sculpted the, the the ship. I think someone else made the ship, but okay. the rest of it, that's all Link. We're doing best personal, fa- worst, least favorite on al- just album art. They're interesting, though. They're super interesting. <laughs> personal favorite, personal favorite, best. <laughs> but now we're on. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There's one more thing here. Co-producer of Frizzle Fry, Matt Exon Winnegar, would also go on to work with Simple Plan and Coding Cambria. Uh, interesting overlap there. I've I've tried Coheed and Cambria, and I don't I don't get it. I have never given them a chance, and I they have not- that, they have the one song, the one fucking like rocking song, and I was like, I want more of that. And then I just, I, I can't, I can't with the dude's vocals. Oh, all right. Well, now I'm interested, but skeptical. Uh, we'll see if one day I hear them or listen to them. Uh, but yeah, time to, the, I guess, the album that blew them up pretty much. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is 1991's Sailing the Seas of Cheese. I'm 
glad you didn't skip this because I can't separate this intro from the, the opener. I thought about it. But, uh, I don't know. I love when they use the stand up It also just. It's a wonderful intro. Also, as a child, I was a fan of the stinky cheesehead man books. Is that what they're called? I don't That sounds familiar. Very what you feel like Primus. Like, like, I'm amazed Primus has not recorded a stinky cheesehead oh, interesting. album. Here we go, baby. Oh, Ooh, those drums. That drum, the drum sound on this album is pretty phenomenal. That's another example of the Primus riff that, that comes to mind. Yeah, the Primus riff. Yeah. Primus album cover though. Yeah, it does. I never heard of that, but it does. Cheese, man. So you can hear with the vocals. The vocals in this album are recorded pretty weird. It sounds like they're uh, like uh, what's that reverb? Um, damn, I forgot the name of the reverb. But it sounds like it's in a bathroom. Yes. Plate reverb, that's what I'm thinking of. Alright, so that song is great and it continues to be great and gets bigger and louder. Also, a good example of how they get maximum quality on what seems like minimal stuff going on. It's just, yep. like, oh, it's just the three. Uh, best. Best. I can't believe we agree. I'm glad we agree. I almost tried to deny this album for uh, a split second. I was like, "Am I going to deny?" No, no, I'm not going to deny this album. It's, it's it was always in contention. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's perfectly paced. Yeah, every song fucking rules. Yep. I think I like other song albums just a little bit better because. They they cater more to my taste. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I get it. But that's the snitpicky stuff. This is this is phenomenal. This is flawless. Like, the, so I have like a, a different personal favorite, but it's only because this one uh, is executed. I think better than every other album. And other albums are great. And there's like a few others I can point to. Like that's probably a best as well. But. There's there's too many things that this one has going all at once. The other ones I wanted to give it to, I'm like, mm, there's a there's a weak point. There's one. There's a, there's a yeah. There's a yeah. there's a little uh, uh, structural foundation in the in the, yeah. in the architecture. Yeah. There's like, but this one, it's airtight. Yeah. It, it's fucking. So you don't skip any. You don't. You don't skip any song. So anything. The the pacing is one of the best. It, it's up there with 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 suck on this and another one that I think have like flawless pacing um i will i will uh a side note that has nothing to do with that one i thought the wikipedia would be like this is one of the like most fascinating biggest albums ever and there's this like the wikipedia is bare bones it's a damn travesty yeah. ridiculous because so 
it's not, so it's paced well in the sense that, um, every song feels really good following the one that came before it, Mm -hmm. which is hard to pull off, but also the diversity here. It's not just, um, so like, uh, we're stuck on this. It's like, this is what we got. We're, we're heavy. We're, we're kooky. We're crazy. We're going to keep your energy up. This is a, it's a, it's a kind of like a, a going high speed kind of album. And then Frizzle Fry expands it. It gets deeper. It gets longer songs, a little bit more experimental, but still very heavy. This one is where they start playing with really mature melodies. Mm-hmm. Like American life. Dude. Dude. Yeah. Um, that song could just be the bass and vocals really and it would still fucking rule here's the thing even though the bass and vocals are, are so prominent and they're so characteristic larry's guitar choice on that song absolutely that, make it for me the final yeah the final minute oh they, yeah the guitar playing is just great incredible incredible thing comes in around like uh 335 or so but like it's just the really memorable lines like across the whole album like larry's choices are really spot on i don't think it's his best album but I, it's it's where he starts to really shine mm-hmm. um and really excellent understated drums uh the double kick on that, on that song feels so good uh just a little just it's kind of what i was talking about where where he's not double kicking all over the place it's just little spots like in the in the chorus where he just decides to go do do just yeah. decides to do that once every once in a while. And it, it, that little do do just kind of like sticks with you. Um, one of my favorite primer songs of all time is Sergeant Baker, which Jesus Christ, man, I, I fucking love that song so much. The shrooms are so nuts. And also I feel like sometimes in music, you have this thing where a song is weird or it's high energy and it's hard to do both. But Sergeant Baker is like, yeah, throw that on when you're working out or yeah. going on a jog or something. It's th- it kicks that much ass while still being very kooky. Yes, uh, and of course we got. I mean, what are you going to talk about? Jerry's a race car driver. See if, if you're saying? my age, if you're in your 30s and you picked up a Tony Hawk Pro Skater, this song fucking just sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that was probably my first like. Actually, is it was the south park song but i was of course south park yeah but like where i like knew this was like knew this was primus and it just like i think there's only like five or six songs on there i was like this is the only good song on i forgot dead kennedy's was on i forgot yeah the vandals and suicide there's some not a good punk bands on there yeah. yeah but like Whoever decided to put that song on that soundtrack, good on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Changed a lot of uh, young boys' lives. And then it was so crazy to me finding out it's not Les Claypool saying Dog Will Hunt. Yeah. It's a sample from where? Uh, some movie. I believe it's on here. I think Tom noted here. Oh, uh, Texas. Texas and Massacre. I didn't. I've seen that movie a lot. I don't Is it remember one of the, the sequels. <laughs> no, it just says Texas and uh. Massacre. Uh, and it, it's so weird to sample it because Les Claypool could say it exactly. Like, it. I I was convinced it was him the whole yeah. for years, uh, but I mean, yeah, it's it's an incredible song and another one where, I mean, obviously the main bass line is this crazy kooky fucking thing, and then you, then Larry's guitar comes in, uh, Larry's guitar comes in, and then it's all of a sudden it has a different twist to it, it has a different feel to it. It's weird and kind of ugly and unsettling it's just little things like that where every member 
changes how the song feels whenever they join in. Mm-hmm. And there's only three people. It's really impressive. It, it's also, without a doubt, their heaviest song. I don't think anything gets as big and crunchy as race car driving. Oh, I does. disagree. I think really? they get much heavier. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's like heavy, but this is like, well, with the, the big fuzzy bass and stuff, yeah. they still, I still think they get heavier, but, uh, that is a really very cool section that, that whole big chunk at the end when it gets very heavy. Um, I don't even know what the, what the hell that effect is around two fifty. <laughs> with that. Oh yeah. Little, I, it reminds me of like a roller coaster going. On. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eleven is another classic. Jesus Christ. Those drums in the intro are so musical. Perco- yeah, percussion is so fucking good. And yeah, who like goes, we're going to record a song in 11-8. Is that why it's called that? I think it is. I think so. I think it's 11. Yeah. Wait. Well, that's what I that's what I read on the interwebs. Don't, I wasn't actually counting it out. Dun, dun. I think it's 12. Dun, 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 the interwebs dun, dun, told me it was 11, 8. Some music nerd can figure this out. No, it's 11. You're right. Okay. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Also, uh, while you were doing it, I was like, it kind of sounds like a Metallica riff. Oh, parts. Metallica did do a lot of, of, a lot of, yeah. of time signature stuff in like, the early days. An injustice for all era Metallica. Oh, riff. yeah. Um, yeah, really memorable vocals on on eleven. He sounds some like phantom like whales from less. It's very cool. Um, and and then you, if you want the full crazy batshit nutty stuff, then you got is it luck? <laughs> because holy ball is that baseline. That's the first. Well, like I would assume they listen to. The, there's just something about them. I think the fact that they're like a trio and the bass is so like I I would just assume they listen to the police, but. Yeah, there's a lot is of this luck? I is I, it luck? Yeah, I, I'm like, oh, I can, I can hear it. Oh, you can hear the police on that? I can. It's like check a, that episode. A, like bonk. That's probably, They take their favorites and they like prima primacize it or whatever. Yeah, I don't hear the police at all. I'm interested that you do because I don't love the police and I do love that song. So that's, I think that's cool. I think I did. I think of peanuts when I oh. God, I, oh. <laughs> there's so many police songs that just straight up stink. And if you're denying it, you're an asshole. <laughs> uh, and then this version of Tommy the Cat, which I, I think is just perfect. I mean, you got Tom Waits on it now. Tom, Tom Waits on Tommy the Cat? Now I'm like, I don't think so. Mike's making me second guess really? my notes. Maybe he is. Yeah, you're right. Okay, good. Oh, now, so I didn't realize I was, uh, I had no idea. I thought that was goddamn less. That's fucking Tom Waits. Guess what? Love it more now. Love there it more now. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I am digging my heels in as this being the better version. Because it's all distorted and shit. And yeah. I figured it was just, that's what they would do. They mm-hmm. just distort it and give you the impression of a different character. It's fucking Tom Waits. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Who would who would come back? He would come back later on. Um, yeah. I love this version of it. I love especially the bass choices at the very uh, tail end of the song. And then Larry's solo, it's just remarkable. It's impossible to categorize his solo Mm -hmm. style too. Um, Southington Waltz is another callback of Southington Willoughby. It's a transition track that sounds like it's constantly about to fall apart. It's very cool. And then, yeah, you need a banger right after all that weirdness with uh, those damn blue colored tweakers. Oh, dude, that's... (sighs) 
the final two songs are, are real epics. Like they're, they feel like I keep saying like the writing feels way more mature here. Maybe not the lyrics cause they're still pretty kooky, mm-hmm. but like, uh, just the types of riffs that these are, it's like, Oh, it's not just mean and heavy and it's not just funny and kooky. It's like, it's this really interesting, well thought out thing in the middle. Well, I think fish on is the, the first time like in their career where I'm like, Oh, this is like surreal and dreamy yeah. and maybe flirting a little bit with some psychedelic stuff. Yeah. With that, uh, really, really cool fretless bass sound on that song and yeah really slidey i feel like the drums are also kind of like the lead instrument on that they do carry a lot of weight yeah. a lot of weight there's a shift around five minutes in that is one of the kookiest things there it's really fast with this bouncy watery bass yeah uh it, it's fucking and the drums on that part are just inc- absolutely incredible that bass is the sea of cheese yeah it's, it's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like holy crap uh the closer is los bastardos which is just like a it's a reprise reprise of of uh here come the bastards but it's got a bunch of guests on it and it's way more chaotic it's a shorter outro kind of version of it um who's on it i want to see mike borden from faith and more is on it jay lane he's on it He's actually on several tracks. Two, what, what, do, what do they call his drum? <laughs> two skin, four skin drum. The two, two skin, four skin drum. That's what they call it. Uh, Matt Winnegar, Mike Borden, and uh, Brain, uh, Mantia. Yeah, they're both on the closer, um, which is very interesting. Oh, and according to Tom here, it says the wiki entry neglects to mention that Matt Winnegar's accordion contributions are credited as accordion molestation. Lovely. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, so around this time period is when they played Pink Pop, Dynamo, and uh, Roskill festivals for the first time. And he started, and this one Les started to use his electric upright bass live. Uh, they toured with Anthrax and Public Enemy in their first multi-venue, multi-band tour. Uh, and then they played Henry J. Kaiser Arena for the first time. You left out that they opened for you too. They opened for you too. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a year later. That's in 92. They released Miscellaneous Debris. Uh, so Miscellaneous Debris. Um, Tom says that he remembers owning this on CD. They they do a mean version of Peter Gabriel's Intruder. That's what one you're of, talking about. Yeah, that's, that's one of the EPs. They've, uh, they've been covering Intruder for a long time. We saw them in 2018, I think, with Mastodon. And they, they covered it with all yes. the members of Mastodon, which was super cool. Also... Dan and Carrie came out as well. Dan and Carrie was there too? Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. There's an army of, of drummers. Yeah. Oh, I I remember what. Yeah, because he made a joke that they were they were like the venue was yelling at them for going along and they needed to wrap it up. And he was like, OK, we're just going to play Rush's uh, 2112. Oh, yeah. Just one more song. One more song. Yeah. Yeah. And in 92, they, they opened for both Rush on Roll the Bones tour. And then you two, you, uh, and they played several landmark venues for the first time, including the Greek Theater. That's his favorite venue where we saw them last I time we saw them. I didn't know that was his favorite venue. Great it's, venue. It's also like, yeah, I, I, maybe, yeah, I think it is my favorite. Really? Yeah. It's great. It is great. It, it's mean, my favorite outside, outdoor venue for sure. I mean, yeah, I, you know, haven't been to too many venues outside of la but that like takes the cake for me it's the perfect size good size it always sounds great 
Yeah. And yeah. And and they also did uh, Red Rocks in Colorado, which is uh, basically heaven if it were a stage. <laughs> One day I'm going to do it. Yeah. Maybe this year. That's where the, the South Park re, uh, that anniversary makes thing was. Sense, yeah. Because yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see somebody in Red Rocks. I don't know who. Someone. Someone. Uh, and then in 92 was the first ever uh, NYE freakout, which becomes a, a thing for a while. But yeah, dude, this album absolutely rules. It's it's kind of flawless. Um, I mean, if, if whatever you wouldn't like about it, it's just a, it's got to just be a, a taste thing because structurally, this is a fucking. It's so well constructed. It's so well paced. Uh, it's so uh, it's such a big leap musically from the last album. It feels like it feels years later. I mean, Frizzle Fry was great and it has a really memorable songs on there, but the, these types of songs feel so much more developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, but we are far from done. So are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Hell yeah. So here we go, baby. This is 1993's Pork Soda. I know it's called the Little Diddy, and there's the full version. Yeah. I want like a full. There is a full. I mean, to the end of the album. Well, it's longer. It's longer. Longer. But yeah, it's, it's very short. Oh. Oh, baby. Oh. Let's get good. Talk about punch you in the face. Oh, yeah. I also like any song where you can get the snare on my. the upbeat. Yeah. This feels so good. This, this rhythmically is in my head every day of my life. This, this specific rhythm because of this song. Oh, I'll do my little My Name Is Mud tidbit after because I don't want to talk over the whole thing. Yeah. What a time to be alive where this could be a radio hit. I know. I know. My soul. Yeah. Oh. Chilling. So, holy balls. That's an opener. Uh, per- personal favorite. Personal favorite. Uh, holy uh, crap. We had the same picks. Yeah. Dude. Um, so, that song, also Kiss Him Upside the Head or the Cranium with an aluminum aluminum baseball bat has got to be one of the top 10 Primus lyrics great lyrics yeah uh so there was this wrestling group called sanity and they came out and like their theme hit so fucking hard um i was like why does why does it fucking hit hard what what is going on here and then i just realized i'm gonna i'm gonna play it because they this fucking lifted oh really uh, do we got volume yeah it's just my name is Mud. Oh, 
Oh, shit. So whoever thought, like, my name is Mud would make an excellent wrestling entrance. They're right. They're fucking right. Very plucky bass, that's for sure. I didn't remember it took this long, though. Yeah. Uh, different rhythm, but it's heavily inspired. You can tell. Yeah. Heavily inspired. Heavily, heavily. Yeah. yeah. It's a different rhythm, but it, you, yeah, you can, you can hear the similarities. Uh, so, yeah, I was just like, why does that theme? And then I realized, like, they should have just paid for the Primus song. They probably a lot. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck either. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. That company has money, anyways. Dude. I, the, I digress. This, uh, so uh, I think by far, this is the best produced. Primus album. There, it, none of them hit as hard as this one. There's something really full and uh, punchy about all, like the when when that song. I mean, when all the instruments come in, it yeah. feels so warm and, and like the last album sounded great and other albums sound great, but it's like I I reference this album to death when it comes comes to perfect production. Double nickels on the dime from the Minutemen, where it's like you find a production style that's perfect for a band. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, you put that production style on a different band, it's going to sound weird and stupid. But that album for the Minutemen is a perfect production. The way I feel this album, that's how I feel about this album. This production is perfect for this band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the songs rule. And I think these are the, it's the heaviest and most sinister and uh, darkest that they've ever been. Yeah. Um, it's also weird because... I realize there's like a sense of of whimsy about Primus, but it's not like a traditional whimsical. It's very specific to them, and I get that on a song like "Welcome to This World." Yeah, that, um, that was also uh, was used in a South Park episode. I remember. Was it? Yeah, and it was quite funny. But it's like really weird when you're watching South Park and then a full Primus song comes on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's also interesting where there's a part where it sounds like it could be a corn song and there's like Dude, tribal drumming. I already know. What you're it's around 150. You know what I thought of? Yeah. It's something like it, it, it's something out of fucking Mortal Kombat 2. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Really. That, that makes sense. Too. It sounds like, yeah, it's really eerie. It's really mean. It's, it's kind of crawly. The, the, those kind of mm-hmm. tribal, um, what toms are they? They're, they're tiny toms. The ones that have oh, really high- roto toms. There we go. Um, Tim uses a lot of those. He uses a lot of splash symbols. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like a really defining characteristic of his style. Mm-hmm. Uh, is how he uses those. Uh, it sounds absolutely incredible there. And, and then the song is also like their most paranoid song ever, which is sings a lot for this band. They have a lot of paranoid songs. I mean, they released an EP called Conspira- Conspiranoid. I think that one came in late and took the king or took the title of most paranoid way. It took the title, but yeah. and it is a very good song, but yeah. I, I think in terms of like you, you're pulling just a really schizophrenic paranoid riff, the main riff okay. to open okay. this world. I mean, it doesn't get any more kooky and circusy than that. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I like, it used to bother me at first, but I like that DMV sounds like Jerry was a race car driver. It's like the songs about cars. It's almost like a, a sequel in some ways it's like it's a much meaner and more evil sounding um but it's still very much a tapping a, a really complicated bass tapping uh riff but we're not skipping over bob because i think it's my favorite primer song of all time that is unsettling to open with and i love how the guitars sound like sirens bob i think is a 
perfect song. It's, oh shit! I mean, yeah. Perfect. The it's one of their darkest and like genuinely dark riffs mm-hmm. because, like like we said before, most almost all the riffs whenever they go dark they have like a sense of 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 cap to them. There's like a little bit of like kookiness. That one is just dark mm-hmm. and just dark and catchy. And, and Larry's guitar lines add a whole lot to it. Like without those guitar lines, it wouldn't be the same thing. Um, really dark lyrics, of course, but it's so underrated. I mean. The fact that that's not in every Primus conversation upsets me. It's it's fucking incredible. It's incredible. Bob is perfect. All right, <laughs> fucking Bob. Um, I think a song that's like really unique is uh, "Old Diamondback." Old Diamond Surgeon. Or yeah, um, it's just. I feel like they flirt with math. Oh, rock. you're right, Diamondback. My bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they flirt with like math rock, but here it just reminds me of something a a smaller like independent band would be doing like in the early 2000s and it's just like here's primus doing it in 1993 so my problem with this album is is the reason why this didn't get best is because of the pacing and that is entirely because of old diamondback sturgeon and nature boy ah you're you're crazy so i Although I I do feel like Nature Boy is not like a, an amazing song. I like Nature Boy more than Old Diamondback Sturgeon. Yeah, but I still think um, it just it just puts a wrench in the pacing of it. Like um, because after that the album gets fucking crazy again. Yeah, but that's a, like a really lengthy chunk right in the middle. Um, I I just think the playing is like so unique it and is. interesting on on Diamondback that for um, Diamondback the um for one it's imp- I think we should probably note it's like one of the few light songs on here mm-hmm. it actually has like a hopeful melody to it also, it's one of the few ones on the entire album so it's that. part of the Fisherman's cro- it Chronicles it is part of the Fisherman's part three of the Fisherman's Chronicles mm-hmm. uh, I just don't care for the song that much and it gets very jammy as it goes on um it's a good it's like I appreciate that it doesn't feel like any other song in here but it's placement in the album because after those two songs, you get wounded knee, which is, I mean, it's the, it's like this, it's listed as, Oh, it's just an instrumental song, but it's way more than that. It is yeah. one of the most incredible, uh, percussion driven songs ever. Yeah. Primus is one of the few bands that could legitimately like bring in a xylophone and it's, it, this, it fits. Um, I don't know how many songs we've talked about on xylophones. I think it's more than I can count at this point. Maybe. But, you know, most of the times it's like a cute little gimmick here. Yeah. It's just like I I wouldn't want to hear the song without it. Yeah, it, it becomes very organic somehow. And Wounded Knee is, I mean, if I'm going to point to any example of why Tim's the the greatest, then Wounded Knee. I mean, mm-hmm. alone. I mean, holy shit. Um, the title track is, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a like a fucking cow. I mean, <laughs> it re- the title track is also, if I want to be nitpicky, like what I think is like a weaker thing. It does feel more like a novelty. It's it's fine. I think like if you want to talk about like weird, unique things on this album, like Mister Crinkle just like outshines it by. Mr. Crinkle is yeah so much. Even the video of that is pretty fucking oh, creepy dude. and cool. Yeah, and we alluded to it a little earlier when talking about you know they have like their more famous songs. I think even amongst their most famous songs, like Miss Crinkle is just like I don't I don't think there's really anything else. 
it's fantastic. For one, it's he's he's playing an upright bass. He's he's using a bow, um, and it's so heavy and fucked up, and it just has this again because of the production is so stellar and the drums feel so good on this album. Around three forty, where um, it goes double time, it's like it's just so good. It just feels so fucking perfect. Also, he wrote like a hooky, memorable thing on the stand-up thing. I mean, it would be the first time. He does it plenty of times bum, later. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Like, you know, you know what's coming. Yeah. You know the song. And yeah, he's, he, later on, he'll, he'll return to a lot of Bode upright bass, and it's, it's fucking great. Um, the Pressman is back. Mm-hmm. This version is a lot more atmospheric and spacious. I yeah, and it it works really well on the. I'm glad they held off on this album. Yeah, right? it sounds really good here. Um, actually, I when you were talking about uh, the title track, so I like the song. I think it's hilarious and bizarre, and it's one of the craziest songs. But I still see that as a point of bad pacing in the album. I still mm. see that as like, if you're not on board with the ridiculousness of the song, that's also going to disrupt the pacing. So again, mm-hmm. it's not like, this is not quite as undeniable as the last album. There's mm-hmm. still moments where like, I mean, nature was cool, but it's, is it really, does it really warrant five and a half minutes? That kind of thing? Like that, in the middle of the album like that? That's the, that's the nature boy song that plays when Ric Flair exposes himself to unexpecting women. <laughs> so nightly then. <laughs> yeah. Nightly. That's, that's what they were talking about. <laughs> uh, what was it? The the air is getting slippery is wonderful. Com- I mean, it's complete I'm, novelty shanty music. I, I'm sure. Yes. Shanty. That's I always specifically that song, maybe because there's this like storytelling, like cartoon element with Primus. It made me think of that scene and in, in Dumbo's with the where they get drunk and the, with the the like bubble elephants. Oh, I never saw Dumbo. God damn it, Mike. It's a, I was That's, just talking about that recently, about how I haven't seen Dumbo and how I should watch Dumbo. I don't even I don't even feel like, yeah, you need to see that movie. I'm just like, oh, mate. <laughs> yeah, I got no defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's pretty much it. There's a hundred other movies you can watch on this amaze you in yeah. your childhood without it's gonna watching be, it. It's going to be hard to start to, to decide to watch Dumbo in my 30s. I'm going to, but it's going to take a minute. Do it. I fucking... I throw on random things all the time. That's true. I just recently watched with my with my lady, uh, Sword and Sword and Stone, for the first time. There you go. And very adorable movie. Are you guys gonna watch Black Culture next? That's a nice little gem. I don't know that one. Check it out. There it is. <laughs> Animated Disney movies that are like medieval fantasy movies. Oh, That's, it's fun. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Um, another fun fun stuff thing. Aside from the arrows getting slippery, which is, I mean, by the way, it has banjo on there. Um. Banjo and Upright Bass. It's one of their best novelty songs. I think mm-hmm. it's one of their best novelty songs. And uh, I, I kind of love most of their, if not all their, their novelty songs. But Hamburger Train, and this might not be a popular opinion, my favorite Primus closer. Interesting. I, I like it, um, but it is 100% a showcase for Larry, uh, which yep. is good. It's, it is Larry's time to shine, and he deserves it. Yes. But there's something like, because it, it's, for one, it's eight minutes long. It's eight minutes long, and it's instrumental, mm-hmm. It's which they've never done anything like that again. Eight minutes long, instrumental, really jammy. But the jammy, the jamminess is Larry doing just insane shit all over the place. It gets deranged. Yep. Yeah. It's, 
It's crazy Larry shit. And the most steady, unwavering, unchanging 4-4 beat with this really nutty bass line. Mm-hmm. And it's weirdly addicting. Like, you put on, like, the first seconds of this song, I'm already sitting down <laughs> on board ready to hear the whole thing. Like, there's something about it as a close. It just feels so perfect. I, I, and I, I absolutely adore that song. Um, it does technically end with two more outros, which feel pretty unnecessary. The full version of Pork Chops Little Diddy, which is a minute long it's not really a full version it's it is all in fairness it is called a little ditty it is called a little ditty it's not meant to not a big ditty i want a big ditty (laughs) not 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 in the way (laughs) that he put himself on those women oh who who isn't these days jesus christ yeah Uh, and then it closes with hail santa which is a two minute nonsense upright bass notes and bicycle bell outro uh it's cute I don't mind it, but it's it's pretty unnecessary. Yeah, um, I think it could have just ended with hamburger training would have been wonderful, but it's fine. It's short. Yeah, it's short. But yeah, if it wasn't for the pacing in the middle, this would be an easy best. But it's still the one I prefer the most, the one that kind of pumps me up the most, the one I think has the best production, the most uh, fucked up and twisted and sinister writing um, out of everything. It's just amazing. Twisted with a Z, bro. Yeah, dog. <laughs> uh, it also it also feels much more like a unit. Like I feel like this is their their performance peak. I think mm. as as like the three dudes, everybody was at the top of the game here. Like Tim and, and Larry are shining here more than ever. Uh, I think it's just it, it it came together very nicely, and both of our personal favorites. And uh, what tattoo is on Les's ha- head? You ask. Uh, his head or is that hand? Hand. I wonder if that's a typo. Uh, it's a picture of Skeeter, and the caption says Skeeters suck too. He also has a tattoo on his right shoulder. Um, nope, it's on his head, right below the Skeeter one on his head. Um, of the cat in the hat with a plate of green eggs and ham. Okay, he's fucking crazy. Um, is it true Les is deaf in one ear? According to an article in Baseball Magazine, Les lost half of his hearing in his right ear in a driving accident. Les says it sucks. When I go to listen to studio playback through headphones, I think, what's the point? Holy crap. That's insane. That is insane. How did Herb's nickname come about? Um, apparently, it's for many reasons. First, there was at least one other Tim in, in Primate slash Primus, Tim Wright. Also, Herb has a fondness for herbal remedies and is quite a health nut, at least according to Les. All right. So that's Herb. Um, uh, the sample uh, from in, in My Name is Mud is from Deliverance. That oh, Where course. you going, city boy? Of course it is. Of course, you're going to pick a line from one of the most disturbing movies to put on the most disturbing Primus album. Also, let me just say a lot of people, I've probably done this before, apologies if you're tired of hearing about Deliverance. A lot of people like to talk about the movie. The book is oddly beautifully written. Really? A fucking breeze to read. Interesting. That movie is tough. It's tough. But let me tell you, the book gets overlooked. And I just wanted to say, all right, all yeah. right, okay, okay. That I forget the author's name, but that man has a way with words. Oh, interesting. Uh, the sample on Hamburger Train uh, is by Paul Rubens, Peter Herman, uh, from Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams. And uh, apparently, Wounded Knee is like directly about Wounded Knee. Oh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, he said, what did he say about the rhythm here? He says, he says, next time you listen to Wounded Knee, Try and put the story and the music together, the rhythm and the pulse. There is an element of that, uh, element of it that is angry than peaceful. Very much uh, mimicking the horrible historical event <laughs> that it's named after. 
Um, this was mastered by John Golden, who has plenty of credits, over 4,000 credits, some notable and eclectic ones. I, Bill, like, huh? I was going to say, I like how it goes funk music, which makes sense. Like indie punk metal stuff, which makes sense. So it's like, yeah, Primus. Bill Withers, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, Quincy Jones, Rick James, Mel Haggard, Albert King, Firehose, Meat Puppets, Minute Man, check that episode, Screaming Trees, Faith No More, Green River, check that episode, Rollins Band, St. Vitus, check that episode, Green Day, G.G. Allen, Primus. Uh, interesting. Shout out to Quincy Jones for what? Writing the Stanford and Son theme. I mean Stanford and Son. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> greatest thing he's ever written. Everything. Every. Yeah, by far. Uh, <laughs> uh, in '93, uh, Primus co-headlined the third Lollapalooza with Allison Chains. Is that one he walked out in a rooster costume when they were playing rooster, and Jerry Cantrell got angry? Is that what happened? And he's like, this is a fucking serious song about my father. That is way funnier. That is, yes, especially because it's a serious song about his father. What are you doing? You, you can't take yourself that fucking seriously when you're, when you're sharing a stage with Primus. You, you can't. It's too funny. Also, I saw pictures of what Jerry Cantrell got, uh, Vinnie Paul, no, Dimebag for Christmas. No. Brother, that's a lot of blow. If you're doing that much blow, <laughs> it was a time to be alive. Apparently, he's up a little bit. God damn! <laughs> Probably so fucking wound up. Uh, it says uh, they also played UK's Writing Festival for the first time. They headlined a theater tour um, for the first time with Melvin's opening. Check out all those episodes. Hell yeah! Uh, and then that '93 was also the second annual Freakout. Um, 94 before this next album tim formed laundry and released the black tongue album um lara uh formed beanpole although no material was formally released uh and then around that time primus opened for rush again less sat in with fish uh which is bizarre don't like to talk about that about yeah and they also he also uh his first time collaborating with trey um uh, anastasio which would lead to the Oysterhead uh, in 2000, uh, one of the side projects. Also, Larry, uh, Larry's fucking guitar setup on this album is out there if you want to check it out. He is using a lot of stuff. I didn't realize he was, he's using two Boss digital delays as well as a Big Muff, which is very interesting. Call this, huh? Might as well call that the, the Boss Baby setup. Sorry, I don't <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but he's going, he's plugged into a bass head and a, and a Marshall. Holy crap. But uh, yeah, you can find that stuff online. It's pretty wild. I, I, I never really thought about like some of the setups that these guys use in the studio. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of power. Never been a gear nerd. So I just, neither have I, um, which is actually one of my, uh, my, my sad. That's sad funny. Because of life. I, I think wish I was, I think you're too particular to be one. Like I would, t- I would take, Three years to decide on what I want. Yes. Yeah. You, you would be like Q-tip producing an album. You just would not make a decision. Yeah. Because there's so much that it's important to know about gear if you're a musician. But 
I would just get obsessed with it. You know what? It's the same kind of anxiety I get thinking about gear <laughs> as if I have to choose a font for something. <laughs> like, oh, come on. I have to, I have to, first of all, I have to look through every single one before I decide. Just go Ariel. <laughs> just go Ariel. Just go Ariel Black if you want to make it bold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 12 uh 12 12 point 12 point aerial black uh can't go wrong no but i think yeah i think it's time to move on now for the last album with tim for a while Mm -hmm. and well another big album so let's do it baby this is 1995's tales from the punch bowl This um, this, this song rather is gonna take a good minute to start. Should I fast forward? I should. Uh, nah. Let's go. Let's go with the journey like we have All with right. the rest. It does have very cool bass stuff in the beginning, though. I wanted to give this one personal. But, uh, I think it speaks more to my my general preferences in music. All right, let's dive into that after. Not a big fan of the fake live sounds in music. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, I'm fine. Like it's over. I guess we could thank the Beatles for that. Oh yeah. Ugh. I like the Beatles, but it, I, it always just made things annoying to me. Adding the fake live sound. Typo negative. Was it, did they do that? They did. The second album, right? It's been. So I think long. it's the second album. Yeah. That was bad. <laughs> this is cool, though. This is a very lengthy intro, uh, very lengthy opener. It goes a lot of places, but this. Oh, that's so cool. That was a chunky bass. That is, yeah. And it gets chunkier as soon as the vocals come in. Less is more of a cartoony redneck hillbilly more than ever. I mean, it's looking at some of these songs, you're like, of course he is. Yeah. But, yeah. This album in particular, uh, the whole thing, really. Continuing the trend of uh, musicians from the Bay Area wishing they were from the South. Oh, yeah. We didn't even say where they're from. They're from the Bay Area. And there it is. We, we mentioned it a good hour into the episode. I thought hour no, and a half, you Hour and a half. You said the... when he was running around with Kurt Hammett. Kurt Hammett. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't mention it specifically, but I guess, yeah, yeah. I didn't put it together. Um, this album... Well, this is another big album. I think uh very good album. Paced I, the worst, I think, since Frizzle Fry. I I I love this album because it's the most psychedelic. Oh but it is a flawed album, but I still love it. My favorite go ahead. I, I was gonna say like what like the biggest song off here when known as Big Brown Beaver. Yeah. It's kind of an outlier. It kinda is. Uh, cause it is a really, I mean, it's like warehouse hillbilly music. It's a very, it's heavy and it's really, really catchy. That main baseline is, is kind of so, genius. It's so fun. It's so good, but it is 
weirdly rocking compared to the, the rest of the album because the I think the main characteristic about this whole record, the production here is cold, live, spacious, dark, huge. Like every song, even songs that don't have particularly mean or, or dark riffs mm-hmm. feel like it. Like Mrs. Bailey, like that feels really pissed off and mean and dark yeah but it's not if you listen to the riff it's actually kind of a hokey riff but everything is produced so cold and, and dark mm-hmm. um so the, the whole album just feels extra extra sinister you know what that does work on and one of like in the top five for me is uh southbound pachyderm i had a, I had a feeling you're gonna say that that is one of the not only one of the greatest premise songs ever written it's also one of the greatest tool songs ever written <laughs> Is it, is it no i'm just joking it's, around because it's, it's it, like a it's like a tool. it's yeah. very similar to tool it, um, yeah it's the it's really uh more the more atmospheric than they've been in a while yeah that i don't think there's really another primus song like that no and yeah. i love that the music video is just claymation and and weird and sad and amazing and yeah it's really fucking cool um like the production on that song is like a perfect example because like the song itself is dark, but it's not like it's not like it would be on pork soda dark. Those riffs were like fucking twisted. That some uh, packaging is not is not that disturbing, but it feels that dark because of the way it's played and, and way it's produced. I think pork soda is a, a meaner a meaner album, and this is more like twisted and, and sinister i don't th- i think the opposite i think that one's more twisted and sinister but this one just feels like it because of the way it's produced like because mm. it, it like that's what i mean with with songs like uh the only thing that that's so so i'm gonna i'm talking over myself but like um glass sandwich for example where it is 100 co- uh, haunted haunted house hokey spooky but it but that production, it feels way less silly than it, it might. I think it might feel on a different album. Mm, I I really dig it. I think it's a great song. It, yeah, I think it works. I love the how tight those tom fills and the snare oh, yeah. rolls are. They sync up with the guitar. Um, great guitar choice in that in that chorus too. I love anytime you can do like a a dizzying guitar yep. riff where you feel like you're doing like a high wire act. Yeah. Like a yeah, monochromatic scale kind of, kind of thing. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, is monochromatic? No, that's, that's one color. <laughs> uh, chromatic, whatever chromatic, whatever Mike said. Part of the word was correct. I'll take that. <laughs> um, one of my favorite primary songs of all time that I've never got, I've never had anybody agree with me or even be on board when I had it playing on in the playing in the car. Hellbound 17 and a half. Dude, that song is awesome. It's like a jaunty yep. bass line. Also, it's funny that you like to play it in the car because you get the sound effects of like. Yep, the, the car, the, the honking and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it is nutty as shit. It's, an, it's, it's so fucking cool. It kind of ends in a like car crash yeah. fashion. It yeah. just revs up and explodes. It feels like a, like a Rat Fink nightmare kind of thing where mm. it, it does feel like that kind of whenever you think of the rat fink art style mm-hmm. i think of this music i if i'm if i'm picturing junk the cover of junkyard by the birthday party i'm thinking of this song yeah i think of the birthday party i think about white zombie yeah or robert zombie robert zombie <laughs> <laughs> dude i i heard a hilarious thing from my brother that apparently he he heard from buzz that 
Buzz said the the worst tour that they Melvins ever went on ever by far was with White Zombie. Interesting. And not only that, there was like uh, I think it was a, it might have been a comment from somebody who saw who was who saw that tour that uh, White Zombie was playing and uh, Rob was trying to climb onto the speaker or this monitor mm-hmm. and he tripped he fell backwards the mic went flying the vocals kept going. Oh, wow. So wow. even in White Zombie, Rob Zombie lip sync, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, was it the first time? How many times? I've seen him two or three times. Mm. I think the first time I was like, this sounds too good. Sounds too Yeah, it probably I, was. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. It's there's fun. no way. My favorite thing, though, is like, listen to Rob Zombie's, Rob Zombie's vocals. He needs help singing like that. <laughs> There's no, it's the same tone. That's a good song, though, from Airheads. Uh, this is a, they were, Primus was probably label mates with White Zombie at something. They were both on Car- Caroline. Caroline? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, other things about this album. It's a novelty transition track, but boy, do I love Space Farm. It's it, 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 it's <laughs> space pig noises with hillbilly music. It is a goofy, goofy little song. Um, so this uh, this album also brings like this is like the first like it's a good album, but it's I think it's their first not very good or great album. I I think after Glass Sandwich, there's some like good stuff, but it kind of fizzles out. Yeah, my problem. Uh, starts with You're the Parrot because I think if it wasn't for Tim's incredible drums, that would be uh, the, the most boring thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really carrying the whole song for me. Uh, really, really interesting drums and uh, drum choices on there. Uh, but uh, the other novelty song, D- uh, Da Jig. That is the most hick vocals. It's novelty bluegrass. Yeah. Less almost... It kind of sounds like Kirk from Meat Puppets at a couple points. Um, I love their goofy bullshit. I don't love that song. It's part of who they I think it's I think it's a fine, fine song. It's cute, but like every time they've done a novelty song, it's always been like musically really interesting too. That that's mm. just bluegrassy it's, stuff. That's what it is. Um what was it on the tweak again? Uh is another good one. It really kind of takes its time on that one. Really slidey, watery, sunny bass. I dig that one a lot. It's one of those subdued Primus songs where when they hit the 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 peaks, they, it really hits. Definitely, um, over the electric grapevine, I think is another one of the one of their great closers. Probably one of the best closers. Yeah, I think I always think it's interesting when they have the like lighter, floatier guitar riffs, and then yeah, there's some. It's always bonkers, bonkers drumming going on. Yeah, a lot of there's a hint of Middle Eastern in there. It sounds really good. How is the great frying treating you these days? Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, it's I take that stupid fucking road once a month or twice a month, and it is a nightmare. Last time I took it, it wasn't it wasn't as scary because nobody was on the road. Mm. Um, but speaking of the grapevine, I had uh, I almost drove into a winter storm and died. Yeah, you texted me. You yeah, said, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, so I had to stay uh, up north for an extra week because that would have been. Uh, deadly i was like if you want to watch movie experience death you can just watch the iron claw with zach Efron. did you like it 
I like it. It's good. I have some issues with it as a wrestling nerd. Okay. But okay. it is a it is good movie, and that is the worst Ric Flair impression I've ever the the guy would have done a better job if he just went and tried to mimic a local drunk. Like oh, he's wow. not he's not even trying. Uh that's not even trying to like the yeah yeah Virginia yeah <laughs> to be the man I yeah. can't I can't I can't do it but I'm not an actor Mike yeah, I, <laughs> I like can Mike, say Virginia in his voice and that's it yeah, it's, it's basically you, the you can't thing. do the like styling and profile I I'll, I can it takes some practice I haven't okay. done it in a while I used okay. to do it a lot <laughs> you can you can be you can do Ric Flair I'll do like the the dusty road dusty road yeah 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 daddy <laughs> funky like a monkey uh what was the uh what was i gonna say about the, so the another overall thing about this album i think this album has my favorite larry guitar lines but least favorite least favorite larry solos hmm, interesting i just the front half i love so much front and half then, is pretty strong and then i think tweak and grapevine are just feel good they do feel good they're yeah. not probably not standout tracks but uh, you know if you love Primus, or if you think they suck, wink, then yep. uh, there's no reason you wouldn't like this album. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a strong album. It's just definitely the, the pacing, you notice the pacing following four fucking bangers like we just dealt with pretty much. Um, but now we've lost Tim. So what happened in the meantime? This, in 95, they toured extensively for this album in both the U.S. and Europe, uh, playing playing its large, largest headlining venues to date, which isn't surprising. Um, this album did pretty 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 well. When I was Big Brown Beaver is still talked about in, in, in many ways. That video is still around. Is that the one where they're cowboys? Yep. Oh. And it's fucking insane it's to nuts. see that as a child. It's yeah. so... <laughs> there are a lot of weird... <laughs> Weird. Imagine you're like a child and you get hit with uh with Winona's and then like window liquor. Oh boy. Never mind sonically how weird that is. Yeah. Just visually. Visually it's a nightmare. Uh yeah, seeing that those cowboys like I didn't even know how to process like are those <laughs> people what because it to be fair, it's really good special effects and makeup. It, yeah. it looks, I mean, it's incredible. The how they did that is so impressive. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also creepy as shit. <laughs> it's it's just a, it's a perfect music video, honestly. Man, oh man. But uh, what what else? So in '96 is when uh, Alexander quits. So they played uh, another Punchbowl tour um, from April to May, and at the end of that is when Alexander quit. Later, I guess it was later that year was um, Brain's official show with him. But So this is the official statement from 96 after Tim left. It's something the three of us have discussed for a while. We all want to take the music in different directions. Unfortunately for Tim, Larry and I want tend to want similar things creatively. This difference in opinion, I think, left everyone less than satisfied. Over time, it's developed into a rift that was eating away at the stability of the band. After the last touring season, it was evident to all of us that something needed to change. So they brought in Brain. The first, first ever official drummer that didn't last long because of an injury. Uh, and they put out this next album, which I remember hearing this name of the this name of this album as a kid, thinking it was the most clever thing ever because it's an obvious play on colored albums mm. and being named after the color. Uh, there, there are three 
Primus albums I've never listened to before going into this. And this is, I actually heard this one. I've, I've only heard f- uh, six out of the 10, I think. And this was one of them. Okay. But it was only once. Uh, and here we go. This is 1997's Brown album. <laughs> This is a pretty like paranoid. Oh yeah, sounds like he's giving a dictator type speech, and it's really dark and it's super cool. I'll say I don't know if we're gonna get to it, but like the guitar sounds like Tom Morello. It's a coincidence this time, but it won't be later on. Full shadow, everybody. To you, a grand and noble And now, is oh, my, that, that does sound like Tom guitar. Yeah. It's like yeah. the thing he did on uh, Jerry's Risco Jerry. I think it's, he's switching pickups really fast, if I had to guess. So, really funky and weird. Juxtap- right there. He's doing a fucking circus thing. <laughs> I can't unhear that. <laughs> I wouldn't be famous if they didn't. Exactly. So it goes back and forth between those two sections pretty much. Um, I do like the speech sections. I don't much like the funky stuff. Yeah. Uh, worst least favorite. This one? Yes. Oh, you're out of your mind. I don't, no. I don't like this album. I don't think this is a good album. I think it's a disappointing album. I don't think it's their worst album. I it's, am baffled right now. It's 100% their worst album. Alex, what's coming after this one, dude? <laughs> after this one is a million times better. You're out of your mind. Holy shit, you're out of your mind. All right, let's talk. Let's talk. First of all, this is going to be a, I mean, the, the biggest disagreement we've had in a while. First of all, I like Brain, but he did not. He didn't do shit here. He, he sucks here. He did not bring the ruckus. He brought nothing. He did, He's not even copying Tim here. He's doing nothing. No, these are very boring drum beats. So extremely. You, you got that. And then I think one, I think the album is boring. Yes. And then it's also very long. Yes. And I think there's a repetitive nature to Primus when they're good. Yes. Lean into that. But here it is. It is stuck in neutral. It's egregious here. It's it's like you've heard the first 30 seconds of the song. You've heard the whole thing. You've heard the whole thing. So the thing about their uh, repetitiveness normally is you don't notice the repetitiveness because something is always changing. Yes. Or they do like these flourishes like uh, that. What was it? The hamburger Hamburger train. Yeah. Like hamburger train is a good example. Yeah. It's eight minutes of the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, or even songs like uh, Zan Blue Collar Tweakers or whatever, where it's like the same thing over and over again, but it's not. It, yeah. So I, here, I think even like Claypool's voice, like he sounds bored. This is when I first heard this, I was very, very disappointed. I heard this and I was I was speechless. I was upset and I didn't, I don't think I finished the whole album. Yeah. Um, so going back to, going back to it now, it doesn't, it doesn't piss me off, but it's not horrible because 
the thing that it, it does have, while there's plenty of stinkers on here, it has some good some good riffs. That that foundation, that is a good riff. That's a cool, interesting thing. I haven't heard that before. The problem is they run it into the fucking ground. So yeah. even when you get a good song, uh like that, like Fisticuffs, it goes on for so long doing the same thing over and over again that you don't you don't love it at the end of it. I was gonna say shake hands with beef. Like I feel like Primate this a few years earlier would have like knocked it out of the park with that song. Shake hands with beef. Uh, shake hands with beef is a perfect example because as soon as it comes in, I'm like, that's a cool chunky main riff, mm-hmm. and I don't like the song by the end of it. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh. Even though I do think it has a really really cool solo, and um. But really, it's for how long is the song? How long? Yeah, four minutes. It doesn't change at all it mm-hmm. hangs on the same two rivers for the entire time and nothing changes so and then yeah camelback cinema is another example of like i oof. think there's a good song in there i see that's where we disagree i don't think there's a good song in there i think it's one of the most i think it's one of les's most annoying vocal performances ever damn i mean jesus christ I, it's in my head right now and i'm mad i you know hats off works a little bit better it's a cute novelty song but it just doesn't have the charm of some of the other ones um, it, it's it's still overseas. It's welcome, even though it's under two minutes. I don't think it's horrible, but uh, it's it's like it's funny. The, the drums distract me on every song, even on that one. It's like yeah. he's he's really not doing anything. Um, what was it? The my two favorite songs in the album, and that I think are like legitimately good songs, are Duchess and the Proverbial Mindspread. Uh, Larry's the absolute star here. He has the most, his, it's that's, some of his most interesting lines on the whole album. That's funny that that's one of your favorites because that is almost like dub reggae. I know. It's, it's weirdly, <laughs> it's weirdly reggae, uh, but it's still really fucking interesting. Brain is actually doing some, um, he's still mostly doing a really simple stripped down beat, but there are moments where he gets a little bit more interesting. And then the other one that I love, uh, or at least like a lot, is Kalamazoo. It's a Halloween funk, pretty much. That, it, yeah, it, that is also probably the best like drumming track on the album. It's these like big band, yeah, swing Got drums, a lot of swing to it. Um, Larry's carrying a lot of weight on this album, honestly. Like, uh, the, I find a lot of these bass sets to be really generic and uninteresting, just kind of like standard hard rock or funk sounding things, and then Larry's bringing some actual interesting lines but then you get the most boring drums ever and then no variation in in the in the arrangements and then it it doesn't matter it still gets boring i think the best song on here and i get why it's like tonally and like for vibes why it's the closing track but also it's a shame that it's a closing track because i feel like people may have like given up on the album is arnie really you like arnie i do like i think that's the most interesting track. There's the most variety that and pudding time. Oh, oh, pudding tain or what? Pudd- yeah, yeah. Which is a weird play on pudding time. Uh, I don't like either one of those songs. I, I, those two have like the most variety. So they work the best, but Arnie is like the outlier for me. Oh, I, mean, I don't love it. It feels just more like uh, jamming around hard rock progressions. Um, and then the mixing is really weird mm-hmm. uh, on that song. Well, it's on a few songs, but that's general. In general, it's pretty weird, but that song sticks out. Um, There's another one that sticks out that I'm forgetting at the moment, but uh, the drums are just, they sound like they were, it sounds like they're recorded in a warehouse really, really far from the band. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
it's just yeah, a, it's, it's just the, unusual mixing the like these like muffled drums but they're echoey yeah I like, rest in bones is another example of that. yeah um yeah i example of larry doing heavy lift like i love the like psychedelic guitar on it it's just i don't know what it's doing on this album but i'm glad it's there yeah like i for rust and bones it's like halloween underwater music with these uninteresting blues vocal lines but then mm-hmm. you get these cool guitar lines uh so it's like even though I do like what Larry's doing in here, it's not, he's not going to save these songs because uh, structurally they're they're kind of flawed. Um, what was uh, another one? Oh, the other one that I want to talk about, Over the Falls, because, it, I mean, it's the bluesiest thing they've done by far, and it's like super acoustic. I mean, it has acoustic guitars in it, which is very yeah. common. It's actually really cool. I think it's pretty pretty damn strong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree that it is one of the more interesting riffs, but like I said, overall, it's boring it's repetitive uh there's good songs in here but unfortunately so i'm gonna i might be wrong because i'm gonna compare this to another episode that we've done where you gave another album worst because what i feel like for that one i still believe this for this album i'm asking so for that one it was ymo you gave the album naughty boys worst yeah and i think I believe you only gave it worse because of how big of a disappointment it was from where it came from. Yes. Because the albums after that, I think were much worse. Okay. That's what I believe. I don't know yeah. if that's true or not here. I believe this album was just so disappointing that everything after it's only up from here. No, I genuinely like, I feel really strongly about this being like worst, least favorite. Like I will go to bat for the next album in a bit here. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight with this next one, boo. I'm going to fucking fight. <laughs> like, I thought the next one, I was like, oh, it's between this one and Antipop, right? Yeah. I, I haven't heard either of them, but like, I haven't heard good things about them. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be between those. And then I'm like, are you sure? That's Is that what you thought? Like, I was like, is this the same album that, like, okay. that people don't like? Because okay. I, I feel yeah like i feel strongly like who knows time you know time changes things but i feel like five years from now i will be like yeah brown album fuck the brown album interesting uh around this time period is when they recorded the theme song for south park uh for those who don't know i mean they did and that was cool the the one that we all know it well we know it because of the 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 out the the credits that's the version they sent them. Oh, yeah. um, it was too long, so they sped it up and then less re-recorded the vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the version that we had for a little bit. And then they did a different version with the the more uh, acoustic or banjo, like twangy, twangy yeah. stuff, uh, which is the one that they have for a long time. And then now the one that they have is from um, one of the side projects. I forget which which where it came from. Uh, but there's, I brought that up because there's like one song and there's like moments on this album where you can kind of hear like, oh, it's. I it's still the band who did the South Park thing. You still mm. recognize it a little bit, but Alex is worse than Lee's favorite and passionately. So I feel strong about that. Yes, he does. Uh, in 98 after this album was uh, the first official live guest appearance by Buckethead, which set the stage for his nightly guest spots in 99 and the formation of C2B3 in 2002. So this is where Buckethead comes into the picture. There you go. The second where Primus is a, a farm league for Axl Rose to get people for bastardized versions of 
That's true. Guns and Roses. I didn't think about that. Holy shit. (laughs) Uh, But we are on to the last album before their first breakup. This is the one that I'm sure no one has heard (laughs) who likes Primus. Here we go, everybody. This is first of all, you're crazy. Fuck. (laughs) This is 1999's Antipop. Gotta give it up for this intro. One of my favorite intros. It's very in the vein of Primus. Yeah. Tom Waits. This fucking rules. Well, it, it was produced by Tom Morello. Yeah. And he plays on it. Yeah. And I hate this song. <laughs> no. This is not Primus. This is not Primus. It's fucking Primus. Primus wanted two guitar players. I think Tom Morello, like, oddly compliments them. I don't think he's... I don't care about what he's doing. You You can hear what he's doing, and you can also hear what Larry... And, like, they're not... I'm more. I'm not. I'm not offended by his involvement. I'm offended by these basslines. I mean, I don't know. You got two guitars. I don't care. I want to hear the. I want to hear the hooks, my man. Also, Larry's trying to sing now, which is not how we like him. And this, this chorus. I mean, Blank City. Oh. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, you're over yet. Oh. It's, so it's produced very expensively. That is like their most straightforward rock song. 100%. So worse than least favorite, but... Ah, you're fucking crazy. Worse than favorite by so much. No. The, your passion for, for Brad Alman, it's mine for this one. When I heard this, I got sadder and sadder no. and sadder as the album Mike. went on. Dude, this is just... If Primus was new metal, that's what this album is. A little bit, but like, listen to those guitars, dude. Dude, every guitar on here is just straight up Limp Biscuit. By the way, Fred Durst produces a song on here, and that song fucking rules. I think it stinks. It's <laughs> so good. Stinks. It's so good. I dude. saw Fred Durst, and I was like, okay, what's this gonna? Say? That song fucking rules. Oh, I think it's. I think it's all. If they the play pure cooking, cookiness, and that's it. If they played Lacquerhead live, no one would bat a fucking eyelash. Ah, uh, I don't know about that because I would. Except the people who know it's fucking Lacquerhead, and they're like, "That's my man." So here's. I don't go in. I didn't go into this album hoping it would be bad. I went to this album like, "Oh, I kind of like this album cover. I, sh- I hope it's good." And mm-hmm. then I saw the guests, I'm like, "It's a weird amount of guests." And then I, and then I hear that guitar tone and then I start getting worried. As soon as I hear the guitar tone, I start getting worried. And then uh so Natural Joe comes on. It's track 2 or track song 2 I wanna, track 3. I want to know what Matt Stone fucking how he and I'm air quoting produced Matt this Stone song. produced this. I want to know what he fucking told Well, that. here's the thing. Uh Matt Stone, he so I guess him at Trey Parker. There, there's a lot of music in South Park. When I, yeah. when I realized, like, yeah, he has to know something about production. They're theater nerds. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I don't think he he did nothing. I am interested to know what he did uh, because that was like I heard that. I was like, okay, that's a, it's a pretty cool main bass hook. Um, some good guitar textures. Also, it's it's meaner. I thought like it'd be kookier, but it's it's mean. There's some like. 
Stagerly-esque lyrics on there. It's mean. It's a it's a cool song. I didn't like it as much on second listen, but it's still okay. But almost every song on here, it it's trying to do a. It's feel I feel like it's trying to do a thing, and I don't get I don't get what the thing is that they're trying to do. Like it's just a fun time. I'm not having any fun with this. I'm not enjoying any like the 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 title track. I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, not a single riff on that song has any personality to me. I I disagree. Really. It, feels like way more urgent and like which is crazy because they were fucking fighting like crazy on this they're not surprised at all they were not having a good time well they had a million guests on here they had to fill in the space somehow what an interesting time to bring in guests to when you're like fighting all the time or the perfect time if you don't want to spend time with that person like you said um so like i'm 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 amazed at this album um so what I mean about uh, songs where I don't know what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. Eclectic Electric is a perfect example of that because we got fucking James Hetfield and Jim I, Martin from Faith No More on there. Also, I I love like like you would think like James Hetfield would be on a a more like rocking song. They put him on a weird weird they psychedelic like, weird crazy they, thing. They made him like go out of his comfort zone. It's an interesting song. Uh, I give I give that one a pass because of how ambitious it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that great of a song, but it's just it goes to so many different places. I and mean, it's eight and a half minutes long. It does a bunch of shit. Um, things start picking up around four twenty. Uh, it goes into this reggae thing around five thirty. That's pretty cool. It's like it goes all over the place without having one distinct personality. So I don't know exactly what it's trying to do. It's just interesting. So I, I kind of appreciate it for that. Try to be cool, Mike. Yeah, but. It is cool. A lot of the riffs on the, I mean, there's no riffs on this album that actually work for me except for Natural Joe. And then, well, I will, I will, uh, relent with the word. I will, uh, admit, I will relinquish any kind mm-hmm. of fight. Uh, one of the best songs ever, 100%. Cocktails of, Coattails of Dead Man. I mean, I oh, yeah. love that song. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. It is. It's an- a full on Tom Waits horror circus song. Yeah, fucking amazing. It's shit. amazing. It's an amazing song. It's the, the intro is as a piece of it. And then, yeah, that song is the full thing. Uh, and then uh, they re recorded The Heckler. It's like a, a secret track on the CD, but mm-hmm. on streaming, it's just there. It sounds incredible. Um, but. Name a song and I'll tell you why I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, we went through most of Oh, I was going to say you would think Headfield would be on Mama Didn't. Oh, my God. Mama Didn't Raise No Fool. What a fucking pile yeah. of shit that song is. Oh, my God. Another Tom Morello song. By the way, he helped write that one al- along with Electric Uncle Sam. Fucking. So he didn't just produce it. He helped write it. I like to think Greet the Sacred Cow hangs out with Stuart Copeland's camel. Like, I like the idea of that. That is an interesting one. Uh, of course, I like that. I I will. I thought that was the Copeland one, and then I looked at the credits, and then he yeah, did. Stuart Copeland, yeah, Dirty Johnny Man, which I don't mind. Um, it's a it's a weird one. It's all. I mean, the that lot one, of these are weird, but that one does feel like a little long in tooth at that point. It's not a bad song. I just maybe would have put it somewhere else. I I'm just so desperate for something I enjoy that I'll take it. It has these really weird back of vocals by, was it Martina Toplebird from uh, Tricky? Mm. And it sounds like she's moaning on key. It's like a re- really bizarre back of vocals. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's an interesting song. It's cool. I don't love it, but I think it's, I think it's, um, 
you know, pretty interesting. You know how you can have a fun time and I want to start working it into my vocabulary? This by saying the word bodacious. Bodacious. There you go. I do like, especially the use in Bill and Ted. It's a very, it's a it very, feels good. It's a very good word. Uh, Ballad of the Bodacious is where you're, what you're referencing and it is funky as shit and I hate it. There was one cool riff around 130, yeah. a minute 30, and then it, it just, it's gone. Mike hates fun. He hates fun. I love the first five Primus albums. Those are fun. Those are so fun. Uh, what was it? Uh, Power Mad is cheap. Fuck, man. It's I, I, so like, bad. I knew that was Tom Morello without checking. Yeah. I mean, completely forgettable hard rock with some funky bass thrown in. Uh, Final Voyage of the Liquid Sky. I mean, th- those extra guitar- funky. I like when it gets big and bombastic. There's a there's a couple things I like about it, like um, or one thing really. There's this bass break. It happens around two forty five, but I think it happens multiple times. Um, it's a really interesting thing. It it, it kind of stands out, <clears throat> um, as well as the production, a lot, a lot of the spaciness of the song. Mm-hmm. But that big chorus, I think, is pretty hideous and not in a good way. Uh, it just feels super new metal. Um, the 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 guitar tones on this album. It's pure new metal, and it, it's like, man, it just makes me sad. You're not wrong, but you're 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 wrong for hating it. I don't think so. I think I think the vast majority would agree that this one is a. And not that that's an indicator of correct or not, but like, I know I'm not alone in thinking this is just oh probably a not. bummer, a serious bummer. Probably not, but like the drumming is way more fucking interesting. Brain is way better here. I mean, by so much, he's better here than the last album. But my problem, he's he's just copying Tim now. It seems like they told him like play more like Tim. That's what it, that's what it feels and it's like. Better, it is, it is better. <laughs> it is better, but it, it's still not Tim. That's what I, like. I, I got the conclusion I came to like along with with Jay. It's like they Primus wants this type of drumming, and Tim delivers better than anybody. That's what it seems like. Brain, brain's best Primus album. It's his best album. I don't. I don't think it's fucking. It's something to be proud of. Though. <laughs> Lacquerhead rules. Oh yeah, Eclectic, electric. Greet the sacred cow. Dirty drowning man. And coattails of a dead man. That's that's five. Five. Awesome song. I'm only going to give it up truly for Coattails of a Dead Man. Just because, I mean, that is, it's basically a Tom Waits song, honestly. It doesn't really sound like Primus. Sure. Uh, but it's still great. What is he playing on that, actually? Tom, uh, the name of the instrument, I forget. It's a, ch- oh, it's a Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Um, it's a Wilt Chamberlain. Should have been a Glockenspiel. It wouldn't have that same haunted circus feel, though. No. It has no. a great haunted circus sound. I just sound. say that because I feel like last year. We had a lot of Glockenspiel. There's a lot of Glockenspiel going on in music these days. Indeed. In the year 2024. Uh, but, man, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, Worsley's favorite. But, uh, Jesus, like. I, I. Yeah, the way the way you you were like try to interpret like maybe you just like overcorrect. I feel I feel like the hatred for this album is not like you think it's it's unwarranted. Yeah, of course it's not essential listening. No. But I think it's fun. I think it could be 
way fucking worse and i stand by those five songs i listed so um this you know what this reminded me of it, in the way it made me feel the the way the level of bummed out was when i listened to uh the self-titled jesus lizard ep mm. where it's like oh it's the band but it's different and it's not as good and it's it's a they're doing something completely different and it's not really landing and you could tell they're not happy in the band uh, the same way I, that one bummed me out, this one bummed me out. It just, I, you feel, I feel the, the chemistry off. Fair enough. But, uh, you know, Brown album's boring. It is. And, there, and it just goes back to the same thing. You hate the boring stuff. I hate yeah. the really obnoxious stuff. This one, this is an obnoxious album. That one is boring. I don't, I don't think it's obnoxious. Oh boy. Uh, in 99, uh, they toured extensively in, in support of this album, and Buckethead sat in nightly. So there he is. He's he's there now. He probably did like the Tom Morello parts. That would make a lot of sense, actually. Um, and they have a whole bunch of things that happened because they broke up. The band went on hiatus from 2000 to 2003 with Claypool later stating the end of the 90s was an unhappy Primus camp. I had a creative stagnation that wasn't helping us forward the personal elements. It was just time to stop. And I had been asked for many years, how long can Primus go on? And I always said, I'll do it until it's not fun anymore. And it just wasn't fun anymore on many different levels. There it is. That answers that. Holy shit. And then they've uh, reunited with Alexander. They, yeah, I got Tim back. In between, they 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 all released a bunch of stuff. They're a bunch of tours, a whole bunch of stuff. Y'all very active. Look, y'all can look into that. Yeah. This episode is getting very long, but uh, they reunited with, with Tim. And they released the, yeah, Animals Should Not Act Like People. Is that what it's called? I'm probably getting the exact wording incorrect. But that was 2003. I kept saying 2005, but 2003. And we're not talking about that EP here, even though it was technically the first reunion. It's a cool EP. It's very cool EP. I'm sure we'll do loose ends on it. Yeah, we will. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, And then, and then they toured extensively pretty much uh, until... When did he leave it? 2010? Did Tim leave again, I believe? Yeah, I believe in, tw- in 2010 he left again. It was revealed in 2011 that Alexander lacked interest in continuing Primus despite enthusiasm from Larry and Claypool. Claypool hinted that the band could have recorded with Alexander. But when they were doing the like... Primus stuff in 03, 06. It was more of a nostalgic thing. It was a great time, but there was no creative spark as far as moving forward. Wow. So he's like, he's like their, their, whatever, what the great Buffalo is the one that got away. Is, is mm. that, um, he's still back there. He's back with him now, but yeah, he's the, he's like, he's their Dave Lombardo. Yeah, man, man, that man, the way Slayer went out bumps me out so much. Yeah. Well, they had some deaths, and they, I mean it, it, the deaths, and then they continued. Which they, how long did they continue without Jeff? I, I j- too long. Yeah, that should have been the end. Check out our Slayer, Slayer episode. episode. Oh, just yeah. I don't know. Just the fact that there wasn't a proper like. This is. Never mind. It's Slayer. It's Slayer. It's Slayer. This is long enough. Yeah. Uh, check out the episode, but. Tim leaves again, 
and then they get old Jay Lane, the other one. They get him, and they put out this next album a good while later. This is mm-hmm. how, fucking 12 years later. Uh, I guess you might as well do it. You ready? Uh, yeah, I am now. Hell yeah. This is 2011's Green Nagahide. Maybe I should skip this, but whatever. Oh, yeah. I also thought this album was going to suck, and I like it quite a bit. Oh, let's have a little chit-chat. Definitely should have skipped this. Sorry. Uh, I think it's the only... Yeah, this is just an intro track. If you didn't like that bass last time around. This this effect, this uh, laser water bass sound, I hope you like this bass sound because it's the only one he uses on the entire album. I'm not even kidding. I think the time off did them good. They needed it. Yeah. It feels good that they're they're kooky again. Yes. I miss the kookiness. I don't love this this song so much. And Larry isn't doing anything interesting at all. He's just doing reggae. It's, it's, I don't know. It's like you kind of know you're not going to get any of the like hard rock elements. Yeah, it's not like mellow, but it's not chunky and heavy. And it's also extremely repetitive. Um, I don't love that that opener so much, but I think it's a better. I mean, I obviously think it's a better album than the last one. I think this this feels like the logical follow up to Brown album. The, well, like stylistically, like that seems like where it would have led to. Whereas Antipop kind of came out of nowhere with this completely different thing. I think Primus's discography is like it all makes sense to me. This feels like an older, more wiser band even though we're missing Tim, but um, yeah, it kind of starts their journey of being more like prog rock inspired. A little bit more dynamic. Uh, well, they're always pretty dynamic, but a little bit more, uh, less chunky and heavy, less mm-hmm. of a metal influence, Let, no less alt metal, mm-hmm. but I don't really, I don't love this album. I don't think it's that great of an album, but it does have songs that are like, okay, they're, they, they're, they're not bereft of, of of creativity they still have great songs this is my like most i'm like looking forward to putting some distance between myself and this album and coming back to it and seeing how i feel because mm-hmm. um right now i i don't know i think it is like very like interesting and it was like way better than i thought it would be it is better than i thought it would be for sure um it wasn't it didn't blow my mind i was i was relieved i didn't hate it mm. as basically my my final feeling about it because there are some good stuff here like uh last time man is i mean it's that that you can't feels deny you can't know it feels like the premise we know and love that's what you it, can't deny a fisherman's chronicle song part four of the fisherman's chronicles uh and it's got a really really cool and strange uh section around two minutes in and, and it gets like really really uh super spacey and psychedelic toward the end uh it's not too bad uh Eternal Consumption Engine is full-on South Park-themed novelty circus music, and I, I like it a lot. <laughs> I almost want that. 
feels like some unintentional like foreshadowing because that does sound like something that would be in a rolled doll book oh um, yeah but yeah it's a, it's fu- it's pretty fucking cool i dig it that is like another very like cynical song about you know u.s buying habits yeah, and yeah. things made in china uh i i love some some larry playing on tragedies to come and oh, i hate that song it's so annoying and funky and it goes nowhere i hate it <laughs> Uh, also hate eyes of the squirrel <laughs> that one's not great I'll, uh, I'll back you up on that one it's it's so it's it has this like kind of okay main riff that just you know runs it in the ground and then it goes to a psychedelic break around 325 and then it just ends it's like it's this weird anticlimactic ending mm-hmm. um but then you get to one of my favorite songs in the album jilly's on smack which so, so good fucking rules I love the spidery guitar work. Yep, great guitar the, lines. The the busy, groovy 16th notes on the drums. And not to mention the fucking bowed upright bass. Yeah. Which, uh, and it, it's for one, it's actually playing support. Yeah. It's actually playing a bass, which is like, you it know. It is kind of like Larry's, Larry's show. Yeah. It has a great atmosphere to it. It's really, it's, it's just really catchy. Um, I also dig uh, more on TV a lot. I thought that one was okay. It's got more haunted house spookiness, yeah. like Larry's uh, tremolo, tremolo lines, tremolo guitar lines sound pretty good. It's very reggae sounding, but I think it works nice. Um, well done. Uh, I don't like a lot of the other ones, like Lee Van Cleef. I don't like. I mean, it's a it's like a joke novelty song, even by their standards. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it's not like um when I say novelty song, I don't mean like the you know the hillbilly circus inter- interlude stuff. I mean like kooky, silly snappy uh plucking mm. uh slapping based kind of thing um yeah it's just like a, a jokey and not really it's just cute more than anything um the the next song that i like really enjoy is extinction burst oh yeah it's yeah, like it's a good one they ran rush through a, a primus filter and it's fucking excellent has these like uh not just tribal drums but like jungle tribal drums yeah yeah which they haven't done that before it's interesting it is it is their most like rush horse worship song in my opinion yeah it's it's not bad i, I dig it some decent riffs on that one um i don't i i don't love green ranger i don't love hoin for a man hoin for the man i I like that song just because that's one of the ones where they like venture into like math rock territory. Which one? Uh, Home for the man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's like a uh, around a minute in. There's like this really cool section that comes out. It's gone immediately, of course. Um, but there's like a, there's like little hints of things that I like in there, even though I don't like the song. Um, yeah. There's just a lot of half written things on here. I feel like. Like a Hennepin Crawler is track two, and it's just like that's a pretty underwhelming track two. Um, and again, the mixing, the mixing from this point on is kind of going to stay uh, with drums being buried, mm-hmm. which is disappointing because they're buried on this one, they're buried on the, like, the next two. Um, well, I feel like the next two are not, they're not quite, yeah, they're not, it, it isn't hurt as much on the next two. This one, you kind of want there to be some punch from from the drums. Yeah. Yeah. So I would not call this a return to form. I would not call this like a redemption album. I would just say it's it's better than the last one, but 
I'm not like super jazzed. I think it's pretty interesting and like it feels like their their last like rock album. It's like yeah, it's it's like um it's like the last album they they tried to write as Primus as we know them. Yes. Well, and unless something until they uh, unless they release new material. Yeah, of course. But. Yeah, like it seems like they were trying to make a Primus album. Yes. That's what it feels like. Whereas the next things that we get, it's they are being themselves. They're being they're making what they want to make. It's it's a very different thing. Yeah. Um at this point in the notes, Tom says he Perhaps now is a moment to discuss your preference regarding Primus drummers, even though we talked about it the entire episode, which is funny. It is funny. Uh, he says, I appreciate what Jay Lane and Brain bring, but I've always leaned heavily towards Tim Alexander for his more elaborate flourishes. Love is playing on a perfect circle's hall, the hollow. I wish he played on more of their stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah. I'm actually curious to any arguments for not just a different, not just for brain or Jay, for anybody who's not Tim. Give me an argument for anybody who's not Tim, because I can't. I, mean, I can't see it. I mean, it's not fair because they're not on as many albums. No, and also on this album, Jay sounds really good, but it sounds like he's just trying to play like Tim. He's still incredible. He's doing really impressive stuff, but there's no, uh, there's no new element. There's no, oh, Tim never did that. There's, mm. no, there's nothing like that. So it always just kind of leaves you wanting. I'm not familiar with Jay's game outside of Primus, so I can't I can't really comment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, we have uh, another few years. Well, actually, no, it's only three years since. The, um, I thought it was longer. Yeah, this is only three years later, but we got Tim back. And by got Tim back, I mean he plays on it in a very unusual drum setup and it's not really a drum album and it's he's there okay that's Mm -hmm. the point but we got a fucking wacky one you ready oh i i've been ready oh yeah this is 2014's primus in the chocolate factory with the fungi ensemble So this bowed bass is here to stay for the a good while. He only plays electric bass on like one or two songs. I mean, this is album is very much approached like an or, an orchestra, like. a very small orchestra, but still more still. than they've ever done before. So atmospheric and moody. How many Willy Wonka movies have you seen, Mike? Just there? the one that matters. Just That's the not one true. that matters. Huh? That's not true. There's, because there's two that matter. Two that matter. What's the other one? The, the latest. You, really? Yes. Oh, I have, I didn't even think twice. I didn't I ignored it completely. Do you think I'm not going to stand up for the director of fucking Paddington? He directed that? Hell yeah. Gotta did. watch it. Gotta watch it. <laughs> Gotta fucking watch it. Also, I will make arguments for Burton's. Really? It is a movie. Yeah, I think. We 
definitely probably should put on track two, but it no. still sets up the what I mean. You kind of if you don't recognize that line, then you've never seen the movie. I love this like weird atmospheric. It's really pure cool. imagination. I'd also argue that the Gene Wilder one is kind of boring. You look at the highlights, and that's what you remember. You just watch the last forty minutes of the movie, pretty much. Everything else. Good point. This? So we just listened to an entire track, and now we're listening to this track, too. Because <laughs> this is crazy. This is not what you would expect someone would do with fucking Candyman. It is unrecognizable from the original. Unrecognizable. There's, spy, like, spy guitar? There is b- different notes throughout the entire album. The only thing that's the same is the lyrics. <laughs> It would be cool to get some of the singing there. Yeah. There we go. Now we're getting to the weird cow mooing bass. And you got those marimbas. This is where, this is what the album is. This feel. Who can take a sunrise? Dude, it's sick. So rad. This is like more at home in in, in Burton's walk yeah. up. Dude, also kicks so much ass. Also, I am not. I'm not like fucking around. I don't know if you would like it, but Danny Elfman goes so fucking hard on that soundtrack on on the score. Really. Yeah. So fucking hard. I legitimately think it's like one of Elfman's best. I'm interested just for that. Just Love listen to the score and let, let me know what you think. All but right. anyways, this is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. And for those who don't know, it is Primus covering the soundtrack to Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, and I saw them on this tour. That was the first time I saw them was on this tour. Did they play stuff? from? Dude, it was one of the best shows I've ever been to. Fuck. They did the entire stage was covered in giant like candy stuff it did you was, buy a candy bar i didn't you fucked up i did it was the entire city was decked out like huge it looked like a, a part of an amusement park yeah uh they played the entire album and there's like all the oompa loompa songs two people with gigantic mascot oompa loompa heads came out every time and did little dances uh, and then after that then they left the stage cleaned up all the, the candy stuff came back and did a full set of all their other songs man i it was amazing also, it's like it's easy to compare or like see similarities between like Claypool and Wonka. Yeah. They both have like an affinity for hats. Yeah. <laughs> but after listening to this, Primus as a whole, they are Oompa Loompas. They're Oompa Loompas. Yeah. They're fucking Oompa Loompas. Every, every Oompa Loompa track is somehow different it's somehow so not just lyrically my only gripe with the album is that there's a lot of oompa loompa there's four there's four oompa loompa tracks and my problem is that they're not spaced out far enough from each other they literally some of them are literally two minutes apart from each other it's it's like they're really close together some kids die or get deformed depending on your interpretation of the 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 novel um some get axed off quicker than others so it's true but on the album Listening to it as an album. What, like, what are you going to put between? That's the thing. Like, there was no way to, to do it otherwise, or else I feel like they would have. Yeah. Because putting an Oompa Loompa song, uh, separating two Oompa Loompa tracks with a minute long experimental piece is not. It's like. Because they get on the fucking boat and then Violet gets it. 
No, no, I'm thinking. I'm talking about uh, workmobile. Yeah, that's. Whoa, wait. Yeah, workmobile is only a minute fourteen. Oh, okay. And, and so you're basically listening to just a bunch of Oompa Loompa songs in a row. That's what it feels like, and they're cool, especially because like the the thing that that separates them aside from the lyrics are the intros to each one. Each one has a different kind of embellishment. They 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 jam out on on like on different in different ways. The bass mm-hmm. does kind of different different lines, but aside from that, it's it's just the same Oompa Loompa song. Uh, having said that, though, dude, some of these interpretations are just incredible i mean i will i would say the most straightforward one is golden ticket that sounds you think that's straightforward i mean that's a complete transformation to me no i think it has like the memorable i want a golden ticket like yeah that's still there it still sounds like primus it's like what i thought where like i want it now i will jesus christ i love i want it now it's so good. It's incredible. I was it's not one ex- of the best songs, honestly. I was not expecting a spoiled child's view of the world to be done through like psychedelic music. Not at- to mention Larry singing lead on that one. Yeah, it's it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I want to know is absolutely incredible. Uh, Larry does a pretty good job, like playing a bratty girl. Yeah, uh, and. It has like this heavy Middle Eastern influence in it. It's but still kooky and circusy. Oh, yeah. it's, it's fucking rules. Um, for Golden Ticket, the big you know I want a Golden Ticket mm-hmm. line. Even though that's recognizable as the song, they play it to where it sounds evil. <laughs> they make it sound like oh, I mean, yeah, it <laughs> they is. change it completely. Uh, of course, you heard Candyman. It sounds nothing like Candyman, yeah. even a little bit. Um, Cheer Up Charlie is actually quite beautiful. Let me say while we're talking about Cheer Up Charlie, fuck Grandpa Joe. That motherfucker could walk the whole time. He could walk the whole time. He just had no reason to live. That motherfucker was making his grandson buy him fucking smokes while he just fucking sat in bed all day. Okay, and here's my counter counter argument. Which grandparent in all of our lives didn't do that? My my grandma. Okay, maybe not yours. Because she's fucking nuts. (laughs) She was too busy running around doing it herself. Yeah. But all of our grandmas made us do a bunch of fucking chores for them. Uh, also, man, that is poverty like I've never known where all four of your grandparents have to share one bed. I'm amazed they're all alive. But I mean, the other two barely are. Yeah. And then Grandpa Joe's this fucking. The faker. Yeah. Fucking piece of shit. But for Trip Charlie, the <laughs> piece of shit. Fuck uh, Grandpa Joe. For, Sure, but Charlie, the the cellos on there, oh, gorgeous. Uh, there's cello on, on a good number of these tracks, but I like. I, 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 I wish they were on every album now. I like how the percussion is like. It kind of sounds like clockwork on that on that song. Oh, uh, yeah, the percussion in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I mean, the percussion of this whole album is really minimal. Uh, Tim is doing a really like. I mean, it's yeah, the not, way he, you would like score a movie. Exactly, he's not doing tim stuff like he's not g- gonna be doing the groovy snappy double pedaling kind of stuff it's just everything feels way more uh like what's what's the word it's like it's like confident and quiet and it, it doesn't get big and loud it doesn't it just it's like this is what we're doing and this is the speed we're going and you can enjoy it or not it's yeah. it's very it's almost like a self-assured comeback album quote unquote because it's like they're going wild with these songs, but they're not going wild and noisy, experimental, crazy, heavy. They're, they're just 
having Doing different a, different shit having so much fun with it like pure imagination is fucking gorgeous way scarier than the original yeah the original is so like whimsical yeah. and depending on what movie you're watching you know has these different things but i think it's usually optimistic yes. where i think this taps more into like the roll doll version of of Wonka where he's a little more evil and, and sinister. Larry's eerie guitar lines permeate through that whole song where every time you think it's going to be hopeful because of the main, the main melody is it's, it's unsettled. It goes into this fucking hideous, unsettling little thing. I think, uh, I think the best take of like pure, if you want like that same feeling is farewell Wonka nights. Yeah. The closer. Yeah. It, way more pretty way more pretty yes uh instrumental and uh very, and more jammy but we have really good production that bass sounds incredible you know i think my nitpicky thing i'm a little disappointed is uh and maybe it's just because i let my imagination get the best of me is semi-wondrous boat ride boat ride i the, wanted that to be nuts nuts the movie is nuts we know it as like this why is this horror scene in this kid's movie yeah and this one, it is twisted. It is nightmare music, but it's not scary. It's this semi-trippy, yeah. almost an interlude. It's two minutes, but I'm going to call it an interlude. Yeah, it's still it's still what it is. It's still like the monologue with him screaming at children, pretty much, uh, which is always going to be kind of weird and unsettling. But uh, I like it. I don't think it's... They didn't go super hard with it. No. Yeah. No. But that's this... I don't even feel guilty when you have a song called Pure Imagination. I don't even feel guilty for my imagination setting me up to fail. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I leaned into it. Yeah, this this album uh, brought my hopes back up uh, and made me happy, even though um, I already heard the album after this and I was already I already know how I feel. Mm-hmm. I heard this and I like how they just came back with this random ass idea, seemingly random ass idea. I know, I know Les has been a fan of this, of that movie for his whole life. He said, I think I forget what came out first, but I think this came out first and he said he was just obsessed with it until like jaws came out. Yeah. I was like this and jaws. Yeah. Yeah. That he was absolutely obsessed with. Uh, but yeah, just, yeah, we're going to cover the soundtrack of an old kids movie and we're going to make it incredible and completely transformed. It's kind of the most primus thing they could do. All while not feeling like classic primus. Like you, the, you, it feels like primus, but not like it, the, this is not frizzle fry. Funk. There's no uh, heaviness. Nope. There is no uh, crazy slapping and tapping on a bass. There's hardly any electric bass at all. But you, it, but it still feels like Primus. Yeah. That's that's the thing that that's what I always look for when I look for like a long discography or when I see bands that have been doing it for a long time. Can you tap in to the essence of what makes you great while while still doing something different? That's why I didn't like the last album. That's why I liked the album before that because mm. they're doing different things, but they don't. There's something missing. There's like a just element missing, and then this it's completely different, but feels right. It feels like them. Uh, I think it's just beautiful. It is a delightful take on a soundtrack or score, and I kind of wish more bands would uh, would do it. 
I would be nervous to see how a lot of them. Most spans don't have the fucking balls. The balls, or maybe the, even the patience, uh, or even that, or the skill. This, yeah, because if you don't have a mind for orchestral arrangements, you can't force it. Because if you force that kind of music, then it's just unlistenable, kind of. I feel like um, I don't remember if it's this one or the next one. The original plan was to do sergeant peppers or magical mystery tour. magical mystery tour yeah but then he found out the flaming lips flaming lips are doing sergeant pepper yeah. yeah so then he pivot which is fucking awesome but i Way feel better. like the flaming lips could could do something like this it, it fits it fits their mo to to do something wild like that uh, although I I kind of appreciate the kooky element that Primus has way more than Flaming Lips. Let me just have a, a kooky element like that. I hope they just do nothing but adapt children's novels from here on out. That'd be pretty good. Oliver Twist, I'm waiting. No, not that. It's got to be like fantastical in some sense. Not just depressing? Uh, no, not just depressing. The Shawshank Redemption. We'll do that one. Um, but Primus doing of Mice and Men also depressing and not a chosen song yes uh but we are finally here to the final album at least the last one that we have in our year of our lord 2024 are you ready i'm ready here we go baby their shortest album by quite a bit too quite a bit it says 2017's the desaturating seven now this one is gonna take a long time (laughs) I'll just play for a little bit and then I'll like. Oh, I did actually. Timestamp it. I'm sorry. That's my bad. I set myself up. But yes, I like this like. The intro, it's setting up the story. Fantastical medieval. Oh, that. That bass, man. Oh! The textures here. Fucking. Something about them feels absolutely magical. I mean, yeah, it's a fucking magical album. It is, but the drums, they're so minimal, but they fuck you feel it. Oh, boy. And it's Tim doing nothing. That's how great he is. He's always great when he does nothing. I didn't realize Justin Chancellor. Justin Chancellor is the, the narrator and the opening. Yeah. Oh, Again, it's not the classic premise, but we know it's primus. Yeah. We feel it. And it's fucking really hooky. It's also funny how an older, wiser, more mature premise means adapting children's novels into, yeah. into amazing albums. Wait, did, I thought they, they wrote this concept. Or was no, it a book? it's based on a it's book. It's based on a book? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's fun. Yeah. What an interesting line. That's what I'm saying. The next album should be the Stink Cheese Man. So the seven, the following track does feel, I mean, the, actually the seven is a Primus song. Whenever I think of the yeah, quintessential Primus song, that's, yeah. That one's a little more rocking and, you know, uh, 
It's a little more restrained than, you know, yeah, prime Primus. It's a different Primus, but it is, man, this is, I think, a contender for best and personal favorite. Like this album, I, I remember when it came out and I was yeah. floored. I, I couldn't believe how good it was. And it's it's still that good. It's like, it's weird. It's not like a fun album, but if you like weird, interesting music, it's it's so much fun to this sit and listen to it and it's like over in 30 minutes yeah next to yeah this is i think along with suck on this and seven season cheese is their best paced album mm-hmm. because for one it's 30 less than 35 minutes it's um everything flows into the next thing so beautifully it's a concept album for one because it's based on the book but it's also written like a concept album and it's executed like a concept album so it has like re- recurring themes recurring melodies um like the trek which is eight minutes long and fucking amazing it it bleeds right into the scheme which sounds like an extension it's a different song but it sounds like an extension of it yes so it all kind of blends together the end um is a is like a reprise of the valley it's a different it's different arrangements but it still kind of closes the story um it's very much a concept album yeah um i love bringing in a more like traditional sense of whimsy and this and obviously the last album yeah i like things that sound like high fantasy or like medieval acoustic guitar it's whimsical as fuck this is very whimsical um yeah like larry's guitar playing when he switches over to like the electronic parts on the trek i don't know what that type of playing or pattern if it even has a name but which part are you talking about do you have a timestamp because that song, uh, it alternates between these two big sections. One is the really uh, subdued, subtle, quiet um, bass tapping sections, mm. which is really kind of creepy. And, and then in these big, giant, heavy toms rocking sections. I'm talking about the rocking sections. Rocking sections. Oh, yeah. It's the, the, it's, uh, the tremolo effect, right? Where it sounds like yeah, it's watery. Yeah. yeah, it's a tremolo okay. um, and distortion. Really cool. Really cool uh, effect. But on that song has their most their absolute most whimsical sounding progressions ever. It's delightful. Yes. Uh, absolutely delightful. Yes. Uh, God damn. It's such a, it's so well-written. Like I can't believe how well like written um, because with the last album with the Willy Wonka thing, you can, even though it was super original, they, they, they took some real liberties with it. You've got to chalk up to like, Oh, well it still covers. They had something to work with. I like something to anchor them. Yes. This is just like f- straight from the mind. This of, is exactly what well, they were. Yeah. Musically, it's straight concept. Yeah. yeah, musically, because you listen to uh, Green Nagahide, and then you listen to this, it's like it's it's a different band. Yeah, essentially a different band. Um, there is no big heaviness on here. There's no there's no more chunky. There's no more metal. There's no more alt metal. But it still packs a punch. Like the storm, which is one of their best fucking closers. The parts that like it only um, it only kind of hits hard a few different times in the whole song yeah like around 2 30 you get these like brief like upbeat yep. moments and then they take them away and you're like am i gonna get that again yep and then like eventually the song this gets faster around 4 15 it goes yep. to this really cool section some of the best stuff ever uh it just it's fucking amazing it's it's so uh like when i say patient uh a perfect example is the dream because it's six and a half minutes, and most of it is 
noodling, <laughs> experimental atmosphere. Shit Mike hates. Sh- shit that I'm not into. And then at the very end, at 520, it goes into this amazing groovy section yeah, uh, with a really cool minimal drum sound and songs like that, where even though I don't love like long dicking around sections and stuff, it's, it's part of the whole thing. Like maybe I wouldn't love the dream if I just put it on randomly mm-hmm. in the context of the album, it fits it all. It's all cohesive. That's how you know it's a good concept album. When you need like the whole thing, you need the whole thing. Yeah. Like, the scheme would feel weird by itself because it feels like an extension of the trek. Uh, and I'm sure the trek would sound like it ends abruptly without the scheme following it. It's like everything just flows into each one really nicely. Mm-hmm. And it's all so fucking, it just, it's just catchy, man. It's just, there's just <laughs> cool songs at the end of the day. They're just cool songs. Uh, this thing rules. It's amazing. They, they made an album this good this late in their career. I don't, well, I don't think it is, but I, I think it's amazing for any any band to have this long of a career, and at the end they put out one of their fucking best albums. Like I holy think like shit, normal bands, but I don't think Primus is a, a not normal a, band. No, they're not a, definitely not a normal band. Any band who does fucking Willy Wonka, <laughs> that's not a normal band. Uh, I want like Les Claypool to review all three Wonka movies. Yeah, have him do like a commentary over it. Uh well that'd be cool I I would I would settle for like six minute reviews yeah oh, yeah a little digestible yeah yeah uh but yeah that's that's the last time I saw them was on this tour was at the Greek you were there we didn't go yeah. together but we were both at the same show yeah that was incredible I might have to see them on this next tour I already am I already bought tickets you son of a yeah bitch bastard ass uh they're playing with pussifer in a perfect circle at the hollywood bowl yeah and i don't I, love perfect circle but uh i still have not seen pussifer that should be interesting i'm interested in seeing both of them yeah. um i've only ever been to the hollywood bowl once i think it was with you to see the cure the cure oh yeah free, that was free tickets free tickets it was the only time i ever been in the hollywood bowl and, and we were like in the nosebleeds. And I'm about to be in the nosebleeds again because oh, shit. Th- those tickets are fucking expensive. Oh, Lord, yeah. dude. It's fucked up. Uh, Most tickets are expensive these days. I'm glad I've seen all the big bands I like want to see. Like, yeah, I like I'm crying at the idea of like what a ticket for tool will cost next time they come around. <sighs> It's just becoming pretty insane. Yeah, fuck Ticketmaster, fuck Live Nation, fuck yep. Grandpa Joe, and fuck Boston. <laughs> In whichever order you like. Oh, man. But hell yeah, we did it. We made it to the end. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Big, giant episode. Almost three hours because we love Primus and we have to talk about every f- every nitty gritty Get in there. God damn. But thank you so much for listening and watching. Thank you, Colton, for requesting this, as well as everyone else who requested it and on, on Patreon, at least. Uh, I hope you enjoyed and I have something to take S- away. Someone better fucking enjoy this. So I, I, one person, at least. But let's do a little recap. Uh, best sailing on the seas of cheese. Uh, personal favorite, pork soda. Worst, least favorite brown album, and I fucking stand by that. Best sailing season cheese. It's it is what it is, baby. It is fucking 
perfect and flawless. And maybe if you don't love the songs, maybe it's just, it needs time to grow because I, that, I remember that was the first uh, Primus album I ever heard and I liked it a lot, but it didn't become my favorite until much later. They're overwhelming. Or like the best. If you're a newbie or you're coming from like more normal music, but once you settle in, it is very, it's smooth sailing. I think sailing, I think sailing sea cheese is really the best. Once you settle with a band for a while and you, you, you get used to their sound, it's hard to deny that one. You can listen to Ween and then listen to Primus and you're like, oh, this seems normal. It would seem pretty normal compared to Ween. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a pork soda, personal favorite because it is gnarly. It is heavy. It, it, oh boy, I just feel it on my goddamn soul. And Worsley's favorite, Antipop because of new metal. That's why. <laughs> new metal and Tom Morello and Fred Durst. That Fred Durst song fucking rules. I don't like it. I don't like But thank you so much for listening and watching and hanging out. Please subscribe and hang out longer if you enjoy this talk some shit in the comments tell us why we're idiots follow me on all social media at pander monkey and alex on instagram at every album alex don't forget to check out our history guy tom osmond at tom osmond sounds on all social media as well as tom for all his music uh he's been doing a lot of good work for us he's been getting us records in advance uh new records and he's been getting us interview stuff and he does he does a lot of interviewing on his Substack uh with his new podcast interviewing a lot of cool musicians so check that out if you like cool musicians uh I, i'm going to listen to his sat yes oh sat yes anna because that is one of my most exciting new bands that I've heard. Hundred percent. That is a crazy band, and apparently that dude is a really awesome guy. Good, because yeah. that would be dis. I'm so. Uh, it'll be out by the time this, but you know, hundred percent. Go check I'm that out. excited to listen to that. Episode. Hell yeah! Uh, and. Well, you must not forget ever, ever, ever Patreon, baby, patreon.com slash every album ever. That's where you will go if you want to suggest full episodes like this one, like Colton did for us. Uh, you can you can you see our schedule in advance. You get to vote on polls to decide who we cover next. You get all the bonus episodes. You get to join our Discord, be a part of our community. That's also where we pick out our uh, most of our EA singles episodes. So if an album came out this year that you want to see us or hear us talk about, throw it on there. And if you're tier two, if you're tier two, then you can suggest a full discography, a full episode for us, uh, as well as suggest any album from any discography for us to cover on Patreon bonus episodes. So if the if you don't want to hear about every fucking album from a band like, I don't know, R.E.M., a band that we hate that we're never going to do an episode on, but you want to hear us talk about one album, we might do that. Or maybe a band we don't hate, but like Voivod is fucking gigantic. Voivod is gigantic, They're but they have some pretty cool albums. So that's, a, you know, stuff like that. Or just any, whoever the hell else, you get the idea. So go there, do that. Thank you very much. I also have an EP. You should probably listen to that too. It's in the link to that in the description. Yes. Thank you. Uh, is that it? I want to send a, a thank you this randomly to Dale Hollow. Dale Hollow rules. Thank you so much, Dale Hollow. You're not going to see this, but I still love you I so just want to say it because I love him so much, and I will course correct on the next episode and do it in the front. Dude, he's such a rad dude. He fucking sent us a bunch of a bunch of merch because uh, we because you put him on, on your year-end list. I, he narrowly missed being on mine, and I was so mad about that. But uh, I, I, got, I got you. Yep. And, and then uh, 
he uh, he reached out. He's a very very cool dude, and I'm looking okay. forward to seeing him thank, see him live. Thank you, yours truly. Yours truly. Thank you. Thank you, yours truly. Uh, but I think that's about it. That's, a, that's about does it. So, well, what are we gonna wrap it with? You know damn well. Well, I don't know if you know damn well, but I feel like we should do. I want it now. That is the most. Un- there are so many amazing, amazing. There's so many. Fu- we could have picked any of the fucking hits. We could have picked uh, some sleepers like fucking Bob or whatever the fuck, or, yeah. or like uh, blue collar tweakers or something. Something I, that hits. Hard. Initially, I was just gonna give you Bob, but then when we talked about John it, the Fisherman, something. But I want it now. You ain't expecting that, baby. Hell yeah! <laughs> so, thanks for listening and watching. See ya. I want a feast, I want a bean feast, cream buns and donuts and fruitcakes with no nuts so good you could go nuts.
want the whole works. Presents and prizes and sweets and surprises of all shapes and sizes and now. Want it now. Don't care how I want it now. Don't care how I want it now. And there's bad egg.